0: Welcome back to Word of God, where three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are V, Vim, or It, Itself. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ash comma man.
1: I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. You can follow me on Tumblr at Lazarus Emma.
2: I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. I use he, him pronouns, and you can follow me on Twitter at ToppleThrones.
0: And you can follow the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Word of Godcast.
2: Also, we're on iTunes now. I said that last time, but I just want to celebrate because now we're fine. At the time that we're recording this, we just went up.
0: Yeah, iTunes rights. No rights so review us on
2: iTunes. Yeah. If you're listening, we would like that very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are doing episodes uh, 15, 16, and 17, Benders. Uh, shadow and hell house really good batch of episodes today
3: Mm -hmm.
2: oh Oh, yes
0: content warnings for this episode follow content warnings for episode 15 include cannibalism bone artwork kidnapping violence and murder the mistreatment of a child and copaganda content warnings for episode 16 include home invasion violence and murder and sexual assault Content warnings for episode 17 include mentions of suicide, mention of child murder, and mention of hanging.
1: If you want us to warn for something we don't already flag, you can reach us through our Ask box on Tumblr at wordofgodcast or send an email to wordofgodcast at gmail.com. So episode 15, The Benders, opens
0: on a kid watching Godzilla vs. Mothra. Uh, Then he hears a weird noise from outside uh, and watches a guy get dragged under a car and disappear. Um, Cut to Sam and Dean interrogating the kid and his mom. and then there's a lot of like the scenes aren't really worth synopsizing. So it's just gonna be a lot of cuts. Uh the mom doesn't it's really think-
2: it's I just need to say, though, it's really cute the way Dean bonds with this kid yeah. over, Godzilla over Godzilla and teases yeah. Sam teases Sam for liking the remake, which so is a bad cute. movie, and Sam is worthy of being teased for that. <laughs> also, the being dragged under the car thing is really funny in hindsight, considering what the monster of this episode is.
0: Yes. Um, the mom doesn't think that there's anything weird. She's convinced that the kid was having a nightmare or something because he was watching a scary movie. I don't know if Godzilla versus Mothra is actually a scary yeah. movie, but, you know. When you're little. He was convinced that it was a monster, so I guess that's kind of what she's thinking. Um, so next we cut to a bar off the highway. Sam and Dean are playing darts and talking about the case. Uh, Sam goes outside because he wants to go back to the motel and go to sleep, and Dean's like, okay, fine, whatever, I'm going to go to the bathroom first. Um, Sam wanders through the parking lot, Uh, And then he gets pulled under a car. Uh, Dean comes out and sees that Sam is gone. Uh, He notices a traffic camera. And next we see him in the police station. He's talking to Deputy Kathleen Hudak, who is going to be an important secondary character this episode. Uh, He is impersonating an officer, posing as Sam's cousin. She's reluctant to let him come with her, but Dean tells her he's responsible for Sam and she relents. Uh, Next we see Sam wake up locked in a cage. Don't really get much... Of that, we just see that he is alive and in a cage. Uh, We cut back to Dean and Kathleen. She's pulled security footage from the cameras, giving them a lead. Uh, A rundown RV left the parking lot not long after Sam was taken. The next camera doesn't show an RV, so it must have pulled off the road between the parking lot and the next camera. Uh, Cut back to Sam. He finds that he's not the only prisoner. There's also the guy from the cold open whose name is Jenkins, uh, which is such a great name, by the way. Love me a Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam tries to get information, trying to figure out, uh, what's captured him and is surprised to find that they're just people, they're just folks.
2: Oh yeah, also Jenkins calls Sam, Sammy, which is so funny. I love that even just random people that he's just met call him Sammy.
0: I love, I love the, like like, the early He looks like a Sammy. There's nothing he can do about it. He's he just does. a little birthday boy. Mm-hmm. He's just a little birthday boy. I love early seasons, like poking at Sam not wanting people to call him Sammy. It's good. Um, it's a good character thing. Yeah, they're just people. And then Kathleen runs a, ba- a badge check on Dean, uh, and finds out he's lying about being an officer. She brings up a picture of the guy whose badge he's using. Uh, does not look like Dean. It's a it's a, it's, it's a black man. It doesn't yeah, yeah, an look an older older black black like him.
1: Man. Mm-hmm. That's nope. the
2: second time they've made this joke, uh, the other one, what, after the,
1: uh... Mr. Yamashito? I'm
2: the son of the... Yeah, 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 that.
0: I guess it's, like, what's the easiest way we can get Dean out for lying? Mm-hmm. And it's this person who is, like, literally not even the same race as him. Um, and then Dean, Dean says, like, oh, I've lost some weight, and then I have that Michael Jackson skin disease, um... <laughs> Just trying real hard not to get caught, uh, uh, and failing.
2: This is the most bold-faced lying that we've seen out of Dean in a long time.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so Dean tells some of the truth and appeals to the fact that Kathleen's brother went missing. Uh, she reluctantly agrees to continue the search. Sam tries to break out of his cage, and then the other one opens. Jenkins runs off, despite Sam's warnings. He finds a knife on the ground and takes off into the woods. Soon, he's pursued by a pair of men who react as though they're hunting him. They kind of whoop and holler and yell and do all sorts of things. Uh, despite hmm. Jenkins' best That's efforts, he is killed. Um, and then cut to the next morning, Dean asks Kathleen why she's helping him, and she tells him about her brother. Uh, her brother went missing in much the same way as Sam did and he was never found. It was a year ago, I think. Um, they find a turnoff that could have been where the RV turned off. Kathleen doesn't want Dean to come, so she cuffs him to the car, and then she goes up to the house and knocks on the door. A young girl named Missy comes out and talks to her to distract her so her father can hit her with a big shovel and knocks her out.
2: I, I think like she says, like, that's going to hurt or yeah. something like that before, yeah. and it's funny.
0: I love Missy's Missy. really good. She's a little wild. Missy, like, yeah, really good very, very child creepy. actor. Mm-hmm. Um. So Kathleen wakes up in Jenkins' old cage across from Sam, and she's like, "Oh, cool! I was looking for you." Um. So Dean has to hurry to free himself from the squad car before the two sons see him as they come to retrieve the car. It's a really, really good, really tense moment where he tries to get the uh the radio wire or whatever off the top oh, of the car to yeah. use it as mm-hmm. a lockpick.
1: Yeah. Which I don't know if that would work, but.
2: Also, they call back to the paperclip from episode yeah. one. And yeah, he's scene, like, I gotta start I
1: carrying paperclips. It's so cute. Yeah, <laughs> He's so good at the It's very good. Um, and uh, similar to the way he has like his Walkman EMF, like, he's good at improvising with what he has.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, he
0: finds Kathleen and Sam and discovers that he needs a key to free them, so he sneaks into the house to look for it, uh, where he learns the truth that this fam- is a family of cannibals who hunt humans for sport.
2: Are they cannibals? I missed that. I thought they just made like decorative bone I don't know artwork. if they eat
0: the stuff. It doesn't say they don't. It's it doesn't well, say it's they don't. I think it's highly implied. Yeah. Cuz like the the dad is like cuz like what else are they going to do with like the meat, you know?
2: That's true. It's like true. they're not You're like right. he's that, that. something. Yeah. Um I thought he was doing that for his avant-garde jawbone wind chimes, but <laughs> by the way, the uh, the props in this episode are great. Yeah. Very
0: funny. Very good. I'm, I'm very um, curious
2: how they made, I guess they just made like those out of uh, like plaster or something.
1: Yeah. Speaking mm-hmm. of the, the jawbone wind chime, I think that was like really specifically a good set piece because it's like a mm-hmm. jawbone and a femur, I think. So it's like, or not a not a femur, like a pelvis. So like noticeably human as opposed to like- yeah you know, typical bone shape of like a femur where you, yeah. it could be anything, but like a human pelvis and a human jawbone look very much like human parts.
2: Mhm. Mhm. And like that whole scene where like Dean's sneaking through the house and there's like I think ragtime music playing <laughs> and just the sound of chopping and he's being very sneaky, it's the, the tone is really cool and it's tense. A very good scene. And then and then Missy's there and then it's everything falls apart it's great.
0: Yeah. So um He's almost managed to get the keys when he's discovered by Missy, like Wyatt said, um, and she alerts her father to Dean's presence. It's a very good moment where Dean's like, hey, I'm not going to hurt you, and she goes, I know. And she goes yeah. to stab him and starts screaming for her dad. It's great. Just
2: absolute little nightmare gremlin child.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's great. I love me a good little good little creature child. Um, Weird little so, girl to make her evil. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Dean ends up um, getting... Knocked out and captured, he wakes up tied to a chair where he gets a bit of an explanation about like what they do, how they occasionally hunt humans for sport, uh, and they do it because it's fun, um, and it's it's a, a rush that hunting animals does not provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the father makes Dean choose who is going to be shot and who is going to be hunted. Um, so Dean chooses Sam, figuring he'll have a better chance at getting away because of his hunter background. Um, ghost hunter, not people hunter. It's just important to <laughs> uh-huh. differentiate in this episode. Um, but the dad ignores his proposition and orders his sons to shoot them both. So when they go down to do this, Sam and Kathleen break out. Uh, there's a big fight. Um, they they lock Missy in a closet. <laughs> um and then I believe they like subdue the two sons. I don't think they kill them. Um but No, I don't
2: think they kill any of them.
0: Well no. Kathleen, um
2: Yes. Yeah, Kathleen, I don't think the brothers kill any of them.
0: Yes. Very important uh note. The the brothers do not kill anybody in yeah. this episode. Yeah. Um so Kathleen like tries to demand an explanation as to why her brother was taken and what happened to him. And the dad kind of like grins at her and doesn't really care. Uh, So she kills him uh, and makes an excuse saying that he was trying to make a grab for the gun. Uh, And then her way of thanking the brothers is giving them a head start from the law um, because she is called for backup because there's a lot of fucking shit to go through on this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: So that's the episode. And then they do not drive off into the sunset because the car is still in the police lot. Yeah, they got right. Walk.
2: Yeah, they just they just walk away. Got to hoof it. Right. Yeah, they ask her for a ride, and she just says, "Start walking, duck if you see a squad car."
0: It's a very good good girl boss moment. Fuck cops, but I like Kathleen. Uh-huh. She's a good episode. Um, she's a good episode. <laughs> she's a good final girl. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess let's, let's start going. The first note I have is that the kid and his mother look fucking familiar. Incredibly fucking familiar. But hmm. I tried looking for the mom and could not find anything. I think it's maybe just because she looks like Romana. Um.
2: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find anything, any, any interesting actor facts with this episode, really. And
0: maybe the kid is just a weird-looking kid, and there's a lot of weird-looking kids <sighs> in the world. Well, okay, I don't mean like weird looking. He's just yeah, a kid, no, I know. You know? He's, he just he's looks, looks like a distinctive. Yeah. I mean, this distinctive is 2006. In a way that he lots could be of listening children to are. this
1: podcast right now.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, true. actor Kevin. Actor of <laughs> Kevin. I'm sure I'm sure you are a very handsome young man. It's probably not much older than me actually.
2: <laughs> There's a there's an interesting thing this episode that I noted down of like how do we feel about when it plays with horror tropes with the boys like this like with Sam getting captured and like us being worried for him because like we know it's going to turn out okay for him. I'm curious how you two feel about that like uh sort of suspension of disbelief of like uh, even though you well, know we took the benefit to be okay of for foreknowledge like, so did...
1: Uh, yeah. not only do we know that but there's like, 15 also, of the show and the main I characters also are have... not going to disappear we also know certain things that do happen to them that you might not be expecting I can't right. say more without spoilers but I do have like, the same foreknowledge
2: yeah. as you do in that regard at the very least
1: some of it
0: Yeah. Wyatt is working with the assumption that the main characters are invincible we are working with the knowledge that they are and they are not
2: yeah yeah, for in, sure in
0: fun and complicated ways not yeah. really but so like um... a basic
1: monster of the week episode you don't need to really be like scared that there mm-hmm. that like anything too bad is going to happen mm-hmm. but uh in larger stake episodes the plot rears like its head. next episode yeah. we'll get to yeah when it, when like actual plot arcs are showing up you got to be on your guard but for a basic you know oh no something is is a ghost maybe like they'll be fine
0: yeah um for me, I don't ever really consider like whether the characters are actually in any danger like plot speaking. My brain doesn't function like that because it gets too attached to the fiction. Um, so the tension is mostly atmospheric um, rather than actually believing that the characters are in peril. Um, it's a perilous situation and that's enough. So I don't really mm. think
1: about it like that. Um, yeah, I feel like so I'm not concerned of like What's going to happen at the end? It's more like, what do the characters feel about it? And they don't know that they're not going to die.
0: Yeah, like the For sure. the the creepy scenery and the you know atmospheric chopping noises makes that scene scary to me.
2: Oh yeah. In the
0: same way, the uh, Wendigo episode is scary to me because I am afraid of being hunted in a forest because I have a weird brain. <laughs> Just a very yeah, scared think, person, like... I guess.
2: The show's often able to find that balance too by like introducing like single episode characters that you have no idea whether they're going to survive the episode or not. Mm-hmm. It's just like usually it's them that end up in the situation Sam is in. So Sam ending up in that situation is interesting and it ends up being, at least for me anyway, more of a, oh boy, how's Sammy going to get out of this one? than yeah. it's like, yeah. oh no, I'm actually worried about Sammy.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, I think that's definitely something that Especially when we get into later seasons where it's less of a monster of the week and everything becomes more tied up in the plot, um, we, we have the knowledge that there is a couple of characters that are in some way, shape, or form either very difficult to kill or invincible um, mm-hmm. for plot reasons. And as, as the show becomes more concerned with the major arcs and not with a, a being a monster of the week show. Um, The character, it becomes more interested in the characters being smart and heroic and clever rather than whooping when the character gets freed at the last moment. Like, it doesn't, I don't think the show is as concerned with that when it comes to Sam and Dean. Um, And it's more concerned with that when it comes to quote unquote more expendable characters.
2: All right. So basically, Sam and Dean are going to become even more superheroes <laughs> as the show goes on.
1: Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, man. The stakes just never stop getting higher. They really don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did talk last episode about <laughs> the Dragon Ball Z comparison.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That being said, I do I do like the capability of, like, I think it's important, like, character speaking. And it's also, like, even if the the audience is aware that they're not going to kill off their main characters like, it's still good to put the main characters in peril because otherwise it's a boring fucking show.
2: No, um, yeah, absolutely. So That's always just something I think about yeah. in, like, quote-unquote, like, pulpy stories like this one and how, that, how they're able to, like, have that balance of putting the characters in peril, but also, you know, they're going to be fine. It's an interesting tension to yeah. me, always. Yeah, raise that
1: tension. It's, put Sam in the cage.
3: <laughs>
0: it's, it's something that they can, like, play with in almost a genre-aware way, I think. Yeah. That way they can subvert it in certain ways. And then not. I'm not going to get into it, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My first notes are actually before the scene, or at the, earlier than the Godzilla bonding, um, where they, they say that, uh, we know you spoke with the local authorities, but this seems like a matter for the state police so that they can get the story themselves. Um, just uh-huh. the, this, like, hierarchy of cops and authority in an episode where the final girl is a cop felt, like, worth pointing out. I don't have anything, like, deep to say there, but, like, the this, like, indication of, um, American government structure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we've brought that up before, of, like, the hierarchy of law enforcement and how the boys often, like, go over the heads of the local police by pretending to be, like, Homeland Security or federal agents or state police, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I want to know the story of how Dean stole that badge.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> without checking. Um, like, yeah, he just stole maybe the, he just the yeah. number and that name. They wouldn't and bother didn't, to like, double check. who it belonged to, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but like, did he like? I guess I don't know. D- d- don't cops like keep their badges on them like most of the time?
1: I have, I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> maybe it's a hand me down from Rufus. <laughs> Okay,
0: yeah, (laughs) I could see that maybe working, if you're lucky. My next thing is the bar. I just find that scene very funny because it's, like, it's this high-population bar, and there's, like, nobody out smoking or anything to see Sam get, like, tugged under a car. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. Like, it can't be that big of a parking lot. It's not that big of a bar. And also, it's a biker bar. So, like... It, yeah. it was just really. It was. It, it wasn't like was a question like, of poor timing. Oh, that's yeah. I, it wasn't like a oh this is unrealistic for me, but it was like oh this is convenient, and I thought it was funny.
2: I mean, the big thing that's unrealistic to me here, in hindsight, is they say that they're careful and they only do this once or twice a year. It feels very weird that they grab two people back to back.
0: Yeah, that's if yeah. they
2: if they do this very carefully.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh,
2: Sam's uh, protagonist syndrome yep. made them break their usual rules.
1: They were like, wow, that guy's important, let's take him. <laughs> yeah. I I did like
0: the, the cinematography surrounding the RV. Like, we saw in the cold open, mm-hmm. it was there in the background of the uh, parking lot where Jenkins gets taken, and then in this scene, it's a little bit more uh, oblique. Yeah, we see it like Sam walks by it in the background, and then the camera cuts again, and it's gone. So we kind of get that hint before Dean does. Um,
2: Mm -hmm. I also like that it's the thing making the monster noises we heard in the cold open. It's very also. There's a cat. I wrote down also. There's a cat jump scare in the. uh...
0: Yeah, it was in the parking lot while Sam was walking around.
1: Yeah, it's very cute. My notes say Sammy face there, so I don't know what expression he made anymore, but I'm sure it was very Sammy. (laughs) Clearly. Uh, Before that, though, back in the bar, we discover that Dean is good at darts, which makes sense, as somebody whose life relies on his aim. And um, Mm -hmm. he wants another round, but Sam wants an early start, and Dean goes, You really know how to have fun, Grandma, which is very (sighs) cute of them.
0: Also... Dean, when Dean's looking for Sam, he asks some people like, "Hey, did you see a guy walking out here like an hour ago?" I'm like, "You were in there for an hour!"
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what he thought Sam went off to do.
0: Like it took you I an hour he was just to pick in the car. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Sleeping. So it's it was very interesting. Yeah. Uh.
1: Um. Wait, hold oh, on. He was in the I bathroom for is... an hour. Yeah. This is this this is the episode where he says I'll see you and like I need I gotta go to the men's yeah okay well that explains why it made its way into the sex work gif set oh, oh.
0: <laughs> I I <laughs> <laughs> that was so like nonchalant thank you so much Emma <laughs> your extensive knowledge of supernatural fandom just is it's a <laughs> treat to have on this show <laughs>
1: you're so welcome
0: <laughs> I'm the ghost of the past Emma is the ghost of the present and Wyatt is the ghost of the actors. And the full
2: huh um, I'm the ghost of the broader culture,
0: yeah, uh cutting to the police station, um mm. I think this is the first time that we see Sam's full name is Samuel, um oh yeah, which will be relevant in like five and seconds. Then,
2: <laughs> and then of course, we have the uh we have Kathleen bringing up dean winchester Mm -hmm. and dean being like oh yeah the black sheep of the family handsome though
0: he's (laughs) He's so crazy (laughs) he he really is
2: Mm -hmm. and then like this is where i wrote down like i liked that dean actually has to deal with like police bureaucracy if he's like oh let me can i can i see this thing and she's like you can file a report like a normal person you weirdo (laughs)
3: Yeah. like
2: even if he's pretending to be a cop it's like you don't have jurisdiction here man
3: oh
1: while we're talking about the um winchester's names this is the only episode where anybody calls attention to the fact that their name isn't gone uh where yeah she's like oh the rifle, yeah right and right like this the is, rifle. according to the trivia for this episode on the fandom wiki page this is the only time in the series that gets called out they made the joke once. That's
3: surprising
2: to me, considering how often they're around guns, you'd think people would make that joke more. Yeah. Maybe it's too on the nose, even for Supernatural.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Oh, speaking of, who wrote this episode?
2: Uh, I think it was uh, John Chabon.
1: This is John Chabon, yes. Of Skin and Hookman fame. This ah. guy writes good episodes.
2: He does. Good I've horror. liked every episode we've watched by him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's sticking around for another season or two, I think. What a treat. (laughs) I say this because I've finished filling out the writer track form. All 300 (laughs) and something episodes.
0: That's what Emma was doing while watching me stream yesterday. (laughs) It's very Um, It looks beautiful. Just randomly in the chat, Buck Lemming!
2: (laughs) So yeah, after the... After, like the scene in the police station and we cut over to sam and jenkins in the cages jenkins is so much he this is. this actor is really like i'm gonna play a character until i die the line they're a bunch of psycho hillbilly rednecks if you ask me looking for love in all the wrong places is so much
1: there's so much He <laughs> it is so much and then he gets called back to again with uh when dean is tied to the chair he's like it's not nice to marry your sister
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Oh, which is also the scene where it's implied that they're cannibals, where Dean goes, eat me. No, wait.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dean's got a lot of good one-liners in this episode.
1: Uh huh. such a good boy. Also,
0: Jenkins makes a reference to Ned Beatty. Uh, I should have Googled it, but someone
1: tell me what that is. Hold on, I wrote this
2: down. Let me find this.
1: In the meantime, Jenkins also says, like, no offense, but this is a piss-poor rescue. Which just reminds me of the bit in the Star Wars prequels, where they do like the same (laughs) bit.
0: Yeah, we're here to rescue you, master. Good job! Mm -hmm. Love that shit. I love sarcastic motherfuckers.
1: (laughs) In the same scene, uh, this is where Sam discovers that they're just people, um, because they Mm -hmm. gave Jenkins some food. And Sam goes, I'll be damned, they're just people, and Jenkins like, yeah, what'd you expect? (laughs) Just like shifting the frame of reference back to like a normal person instead of Sam and his weird little hunting lifestyle, where he's like, "What else could it possibly be? Who could lock you in a cage of not people?" And Sam's like, "Right. Oh, right, a normie." <laughs>
0: uh...
1: <laughs> also, it is funny though that that he assumes immediately that they are just people. Like, they could be vampires. They could be possessed. Like, they don't have to be just people just because they look like people. It's but true. for the sake it's of true. like exposition, Sam immediately knows that they are just people.
0: Mm -hmm. I also, I really like the it's just people thing whenever it comes up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it probably gets overdone in later seasons, um, but I stopped keeping track at that point. But, like, the couple of episodes where it's you know something totally mundane, um, Dean usually comments on it, usually says something along the lines of, people are crazy, man.
1: Um, Uh, This one, he says, I'll say it again, demons I get, people are crazy. Yeah.
0: Um
1: Which is also very I sad like for D and his little social skills.
0: <laughs> yeah. Poor little meow meow. Um I like the like the subversion of like, yeah, it's all the bad things that happen are not always gonna be vampires or demons or ghosts. Sometimes people just do things.
2: Yeah. Um, um
0: Yeah, I like
2: that. This is uh so this is actually the Ned Beattie uh thing is Genuinely quite relevant to this episode, uh, I have discovered. Um, Mm. My (laughs) in the middle of this episode uh, research. Um, I believe that uh, Jenkins is referencing the movie Deliverance, which is about some businessmen who take a canoe trip uh, downriver in the Georgia wilderness and are attacked by some uh, quote unquote mountain men. Um, and they do very bad stuff to them. Uh, it's, it's real rough. Apparently this movie is famous for being very graphic. Um, but it's like a revenge story after that. So the point that he's making is like, he's comparing himself to that character in this movie of like these, like woodsmen got the best of me, but I'm going to get my revenge on them.
1: It occurs to me, we could have just uh, looked this up on the trivia page section of the wiki. Uh, so I have done that now, and it does confirm that. Um, but it also says that the Bender family is based on the actual Bender family that killed visitors to their Kansas hotel in the early 1870s. The actual Bender oh, family what? killed for robbery. Um, and, of course, this is all huh. like, shaped around the idea of like the most dangerous game. Star-
2: yes. Yeah, which I I'd, I'd want to talk about that later when we're and done with I, our general notes.
1: I've been
0: trying to wrap my brain around the title forever. Because I didn't realize yeah. that their
1: last name was Bender. Yeah, I don't think it's said in the episode. It's just like, yeah. you're supposed to know that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here's a very
0: niche reference to a serial killer family in the 1870s. For those mm-hmm. true crime fans out here. Mm-hmm. In
1: 2006. Um, Yeah, I mean, okay. if you don't know that I mean, their name right. is Bender, because it's not said, then you just have to sit there like, what are they bending? <laughs> <laughs> Societal convention?
0: <laughs> um, I wrote the words, damn, he can scream. Don't know who is screaming there. Probably Jenkins. Uh,
2: Jenkins, I think. <laughs> he, he does scream. Like I said, that guy's really giving it all. He's mm-hmm. really milking his 15 minutes of fame.
0: Also, going back a little bit, when they bring up the traffic camera, the fucking zoom and enhance on the, yeah. the license plate, so oh, yeah. fucking good. Very they like, they can tell that it's new, and uh-huh. I'm like, what? "That's how what? clear the this picture is." is. Like...
2: With like, t- with with like 2006 era roadside security camera footage.
0: Literally, and the rest of the the rest of the picture is in like 200 pixel. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there's this fucking. It. It's really good. It's really good. It is peak peak uh cop drama mid 2000s bullshit yeah um, it's very good also dean working with a cop is whack
2: yeah
3: actually i have more to say on that uh
1: yeah we'll get yes. to the cop
3: yeah
2: like
1: part to. yeah i think
2: i wrote down is that this episode is like uh the boys stumbled into an episode of true detective
1: yeah <laughs> like
2: kathleen's um, off here doing her own tv show yeah where man is the real monster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, like, the fact that, especially because, um, let's see, in Hell House, Dean goes, oh, I'm loath to agree with authority figures of any kind. Mm-hmm. But then in this episode, he is willing to work, in, the, in a dishonest way, but he is willing to work with the cops in order to find Sam. And it's like, on the one hand, yeah, yeah Dean setting aside his own like personal qualms with um, society and authority to save his brother is nice, but also from a propaganda standpoint, it's yeah. really something. It humanizes police in a way that the other episodes have not done yet, where police are largely antagonistic, whereas Kathleen is on their side, she's breaking rules for them, she lets them get away, and this is something that happens a couple mm-hmm. of times in my memory in Supernatural, um, so I just think it's interesting.
1: There's a bit where Kathleen and Dean both have cups of coffee, and my notes are just like, who paid for that? Did she buy him a coffee? Did she make <laughs> him buy her coffee? Did she like <laughs> let him buy himself a coffee with his this is the, fake these credit cards? These are the cards? important
2: blank spaces we need to fill. I
1: want to see that coffee shop scene. <laughs>
2: I like that she... I like the way she manipulates him into getting handcuffed. It's, yeah. it's funny.
0: It's Classic. really good. She's so a, a Shake boss. on
2: it. He sticks his hand out. She <laughs> cuffs him. And he's just so, like... He's so exhausted by it. Like, he's not even angry. He's just like, ah, oh, come on.
1: He's frustrated. Yeah. It's
0: adorable. It's really cute.
2: Yeah. And that's when you get the paperclip comment.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: When Kathleen asks missy if she can come in i wrote that's peak cop yeah like in in this in this instance it's you know for the greater good or whatever but she's just like no warrant no anything asking a fucking 12 year old girl Uh uh-huh Yep. it's it's it's, yeah
1: a very dirty 12 year old girl
0: she yeah i mean she probably assumes that like at worst these people are just like poor like weirdo i don't know you know what I mean? I don't
1: know my yeah, brain Like, just this totally child is not from coming from a happy home with, like, her hair matted in clumps. No. But um, she's no. not expecting them to and be I hunting think, people like, for sport.
2: Yeah. I'm willing to forgive Kathleen for that at the very least because she asks, is your mom home? Is your dad home? And, like, Missy is, like, she's dead and then shakes her head, which immediately, like, hmm, this kid's, like, out in the middle of nowhere, like, home alone. That in and of itself is kind of suspicious. Like, where... Where her parents like she's there's something off here.
0: She killed them.
2: <laughs> and like she already knows that like this place is suspicious.
0: Yeah, which is which is why I like I get it from a narrative point of view, but also yeah. from a copanda point of view. Yes, I'm, like, exactly. Just the, the like mayor. larger framing. Mm-hmm. Come back yeah. with a warrant, Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. I think we will always like examining that dichotomy of like this is. The way it works in universe versus this is the way it works when you analyze it from an anti-cop standpoint i think that's yeah. going to be something that will be very frequent for us especially in but also like, like
2: the the this is a really interesting comparative episode to the rest of the show uh mm-hmm. from like if if you take the brothers out of it completely and treat this as an episode about like kathleen and the benders she Treats them the same way the brothers treat monsters, which is why Mm. last episode I was, like, going off so much. I'm like, I need to talk about this episode. and The conversation about what counts as a monster that we had last time. Mm -hmm. Talking about 114
1: Nightmare, yes.
2: Yeah. And the fact that, like... Yeah, like I said, like the brothers never like don't have any system of bureaucracy where they would need a warrant to extrajudicially kill these monsters. And of course, the show is like, yeah, I mean, they're monsters. They're protecting people. We can all agree on that. They are they are destroying evil beings and saving people's lives. But if you take that perspective away from like the fantasy of the show and look at the way that's also what cop shows do is like oh yeah the the cops here may be breaking the rules but they're doing it to protect us and uh killing evil people which mm-hmm. is what the cop does in this episode
1: mm-hmm. uh, and, then and lies like, about the way
2: it. that yeah and the way that fictional framing creates this idea in people's heads of what the cops exist for uh even though that isn't actually true most of what, like, the, the cops spend, like, 5% of their time or something, like, dealing with homicides.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, in terms of how the show handles the person-monster divide, it sometimes pokes at yeah. it. Occasionally, they have episodes devoted to, like, having them ask the question, but they never, We've we've talked about this, they don't, like, come down on a solid answer. Even though we have mm-hmm. two episodes in a row now where we have, like, what if people are monsters? Like, if a person has superpowers, does that make them a monster? What if they kill people with it? If a person has no supernatural uh, traits, but they are killing people horrifically, does that make them a monster? And the answer is apparently no, you don't get to kill them. You lock them in the closet. Unless you're a cop. And then you have free range to do as you will. And then lie yeah. about it to cover your tracks.
2: Yeah. And this is the thing too, right? Is like, Pop Benderism is like is a monster as far as, like, if it's possible for people to be monsters, this guy's it. He literally hunts other people for sport. The episode is creating a fictional framing that makes us, like, glad he's dead, at least. To, and I say us in, like, the broad way of, like, that's the that's the way I think the narrative wants us to feel mm-hmm. at the end there. And, like, it's... Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to... You gotta like hold two different, two separate ideas in mm-hmm. your head if you're trying to enjoy TV. Like, you mm-hmm. can be like, oh yeah, glad this guy's dead, but also be like, hmm, don't like extra, extrajudicial killings by a cop.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, framing it as a good thing that he's dead makes Kathleen a hero, even as, slash, because yeah. she worked with criminals and lied about her reasons for killing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Which is kind of falls under the like, libertarian lens of the show that we've talked about before is like the bureaucracy of the police is treated as a bad thing in this episode like when Dean and gets in their way of saving Sam which is the good thing that needs to be done
3: mm-hmm, and right. like
2: so at the end there like her doing her not following procedure in that way sort of the show is like making her more human by doing that is kind of how i found the framing to be of like this is not this is no longer about a cop doing the law it's about a woman whose brother was killed and she's getting revenge for it which of course is what the brothers are trying to do is get revenge for their mother who was killed
0: yeah um also kind of going back to the human monster dichotomy in the last episode sam and dean like literally had an argument about whether or not um max counted as a monster and then in this Mm -hmm. episode there's none of that like dean does you know quips at them as if they're monsters they don't see they don't they don't express any issues with like they don't kill anybody sam and dean but they don't express any issues with the fact that kathleen killed uh the dad do they
2: know that she did
3: that?
0: They heard a gunshot, and she says... he. They, they did, asked, you're right. They, 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 they know what happened. happened. They don't know the, yeah, that right, she shot right. him on the floor. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really Oh, yeah, yeah. She a shot
2: trying to escape.
0: Yeah. The way the show itself frames certain people as monsters, where certain mm-hmm. people are given more nuance than others. Um, Max was killing people, but it was, you know, for good reason um and dean and sam empathize with that reasoning um but the benders are doing it just for fun um which i think i don't know i think it would have been really interesting to have um to have this show like mirrored on an episode or this episode mirrored on an episode where sam and dean meet a uh another hunter who hunts vampires for fun like not mm-hmm. out of any sense fun of duty Fun hypothetical you got there ash
1: <laughs> so basically it boils down to the line uh, saving people, hunting things the family business, because where do you draw the line between people and things? yeah mm-hmm. and, and who gets to decide that to line however they feel in and the, moment. the answer is Sam and Dean and sometimes their dad do because the Winchesters are always mm-hmm. narratively right siding with them is always the good thing to do morally speaking and so Kathleen helping mm-hmm. them is legally wrong and morally right and obviously legality is not equivalent to morality and in this case helping sam not yeah. die is a good thing to do but the throughout the show it's always uh the right thing to do is whatever the winchesters tell you to do sometimes they disagree with each other mm-hmm. about what the right thing to do is and then you get like fights but they're always one of them is right and one of them is wrong it's never like we both have yeah it's points. never both
2: of them are wrong and someone else is right
1: yeah mm-hmm. definitely that too
2: i think i was gonna say is like this is this is much too nuanced for supernatural but i think it would have been cool if they had gone more in the direction of the historical benders family and Mm -hmm. had this family be like serial killing people for like a, a reason in this case like robbing people that like and i don't know i don't know anything about the actual bender family but like at least in that situation, they would have had some kind of, like, philosophy other than hunting is fun and we that's what we do. We're hunters and so we hunt people too.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Which, uh, this is a good segue, I think, into talking about class and also, like, how that plays into monstrousness. Because the thought I had when you were talking about, um, Max in the last episode. Max is the name, right?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Not, okay. Um is he is a, like, middle-class suburban kid, and these are, like, these are, like, low-class, like, people who live out in the boonies. And there's a definite sort of dehumanization there in terms of how, like, culture looks at people like that, at the very least. Um that I think is part of the framing of it's part of what the framing of this episode makes you like treat these characters as monstrous. Like they, the the two boys not not the Winchesters but the the sons of Pa uh, have like like paint their faces and like have these wild grins that they do that make them more like monstrous looking. It's it's very interesting to me, especially as um. Especially as, like, I think I said last time, but I can't remember now. Uh, oh no, I think I cut that out. Well, anyway, um, like I said to you all off mic, um, this is, this, and, like, also, uh, Emma mentioned, mentioned earlier, uh, that this is the most dangerous game, and the most dangerous game is a story about being afraid of rich people, and how the more money a person has the more completely free of any sort of actual oversight or like being beholden to law or morality you can be because you have infinite money. like this guy, like it's been a long time, I'm just gonna t- t- summarize the story off the cuff, but it's because it's been a long time, but I'm fairly sure, this rich guy has a private island. People are brought to it, uh, and then he hunts them in the forest around the island. It's very much like this is this man's like private, Like a world, basically, and once you are here, there is no escape, and it's very much a metaphor for uh, the way rich people become completely beholden to nothing. The more wealth they have, well, okay, the only escape is to kill them first. Oh, well, yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, that story's great. Um, but then this story, like, does that does like the most dangerous game is man. The hunter wants to hunt that, but like, in in. Like, classically speaking, hunting was a rich man's um, rich man's sport in Europe because of local laws, lo- like poaching laws, being like peasants are not allowed to hunt, the animals in the forest belong to the wealthy class, and that is how they get their exercise, as they go out and they hunt, and it's a manly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in America, hunting is a low-class... Um, A low-class like exercise um, that is like looked down upon to some degree anyway Uh, even though like factory farms are far more nightmarish than hunting an animal yourself Mm -hmm. it's treated as this like almost barbaric thing by a lot of people
0: and when when rich people hunt they do it overseas they do it with exotic animals like rhinos or tigers
2: they also do that thing that like those uh rich people do. I, I mean, I guess it's not always that, but they they deliberately mirror like the person posing with dead animal like type yeah, of picture but with biopic. humans in that like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's in, that dichotomy is interesting to me. On one hand, I really like the horror in this episode and Mm -hmm. i think the reveal that there's not a monster is fun even though like i mentioned earlier it makes that like pull them under the the, like whatever's are the are the are the are the evil brothers like hiding under these trucks like pulling people under them like i don't know what we're supposed to
3: i have look back on that and think
2: it's very silly um but yeah, I think the horror is effective, but also I don't know how I feel about the actual themes of this episode.
0: Yeah. It's um it's kind of like the Wendigo episode. Really good horror, but like actually yeah. speaking in its context is it's not great. Yeah. I guess moving on to the rest of the notes for this episode. Um Dean sneaking through the house is incredibly adorable. He blinds himself with a flashlight. 'cause he's a dumbass and points it at the face. I forgot face. about that. <laughs> so cute. He he looks around in the basement and he just kinda like stares at a jar of teeth and I'm like, dude, they could walk in on why you any get a move why on, are you sir. why are you Yeah, why are you looking at the jar of teeth? Um and then when I think it's when uh the dad hits him with like a pot, or not a pot, like a cast iron skillet or something, it makes like this cartoon noise. <laughs> Like, the bonk?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Really? It's very funny. Bonk noise. Um, that, that whole scene is very adorable to me. Um, it's entertaining. And also mm-hmm. very tense and fun horror. Yeah, when they have the three-on-one
1: um, fight where like they've seen him and yeah. they haven't gotten him t- tied to a chair yet, where he's fighting all of them. He's doing pretty well. He doesn't win, but he does pretty well for himself, and he's like being mm-hmm. all tough. He's got like his bravado who's like, I'm going to take you down first. Um know, he yeah. said I'm going to kick your ass first, then yours, and then he gets whacked on the head. It's like he's so cute and it does nothing for him.
2: He's
0: such yeah. a dark. He's so, so he's so cute. Um and then during the dad's like monologue, uh I think this is a very important thing. Um which becomes complicated and then less complicated later on, but the hunting inherited from the father uh mm-hmm. he mentions my my dad and his dad before him like this has been a family thing and then obviously Sam and Dean learned the hunting life from John um and then there will be more more stuff about the legacy of hunting within the Winchester Campbell families uh that mm-hmm. will be discussed as they come up in canon but that like in addition to the sins of the father thing that we've kind of been talking about the inheritance of this morally uh corrupt way of hunting um i don't think it was a a direct parallel or an
1: intentional parallel i think it might have been
2: intentional yeah i think it's like
1: they, they use this you know urge to hunt things more dangerous than deer in the wrong way and that makes it evil because they're going after people and if they but I think there's, like, this yeah. really interesting subtextual suggestion that if the benders had been, had learned about ghosts, they could have been really good hunters, you know? Like, they have mm. this family structure that's the same as, besides Missy, they have, like, the father and two sons who have learned about hunting, and they want to have dangerous hunts because they, they think it's cool. So if they went after demons, they could be, like, really good hunters because this is what they like to do. But because they go after people, um, that makes them evil. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Which, like, that is an evil thing to do, but... Yeah,
1: definitely. i yeah. not saying it wasn't.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I know what you mean. I'm just...
0: <laughs> it's just more of the show kind of poking at the morality of hunting monsters without actually, like, making any statements either way in order to keep Sam and Dean as the heroes.
3: Yeah. Which is just mm-hmm.
0: so frustrating to watch. It's... Yeah. Um, and then Dean. Dean laughs in the face of death. He's very adorable. He's making jokes. <laughs> Dean laughing in the face of death is a very common thing. That's because he yeah, faces well, it a lot. Yeah, well, we've walk. seen how he...
2: Yeah, and we've seen how he reacts to the idea of his own death previously.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and cops continue to be dubious and convenient. Um, uh-huh. Meaning they will break rules, sometimes to benefit the Winchesters, sometimes to benefit themselves. Whatever works with the plot. Which, of course, people are people. Um, Some... I'm sure some cops are more, uh, attached to the rules than others are, uh, but cops as a, as a foundation and as a, um, structure is, they're pretty much malleable to whatever needs Sam and Dean have for the episode. Yeah.
3: Uh, um,
1: speaking of Kathleen, at the, at the end, uh, Kathleen has a bit where she says it was really hard not knowing what happened to him, Riley, her brother um, I thought it would be easier once I knew the truth but it isn't really so just this idea again of like mm. the truth and knowing the truth and is it better to know the truth or is yeah. it better to be in you know, blissful ignorance and so Kathleen is on the other side, there's nothing supernatural involved here but she knows what happens for real and it's not easier so then we have that um, tension brought up again mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: Before that uh, I want to talk about that sick um, cage room fight, oh, where yeah. the the brother thinks that uh, Kathleen is hiding in the like little little closet thingy, and then she just jumps down on him was very mm-hmm. good. Uh, and also, ah, she's been playing Dark Souls. Sam <laughs> does like a Dark Souls dodge roll and uh, dodges a bullet with his invincibility frames and it's really funny.
0: It's really good. Yeah, that whole fight scene is really fun. I love how she- Kathleen like jumps down from the ceiling and like chokes him out with her legs. It's a really yeah. good girl. Oh, uh, with her arms, I think. Her. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, grabs
2: him around the neck and is yeah, like Sam's holding onto his back.
0: Roll. It's all, it's all very, like, mm-hmm. it's entertaining to watch, even if it's not realistic at times. Yeah. Um, which is what a fight, a fight scene should be entertaining first, and realistic second. Close second, but I don't want to watch a boring, realistic fight scene, because if I did, all the fight scenes would be 15 seconds long, because fighting is exhausting. Yeah.
2: Um. There's also, like, it. I don't think it's a continuity error, but it's a really funny cut. Like I I think I see him in the bottom of the frame, but basically when um when the one of the brothers is about to shoot Kathleen uh and or no, sorry, is about to shoot Sam and Sam ducks under it and he shoots his dad, in the next shot Sam isn't on the ground there. And it's like, where did he go? Like, we see him duck down out of the frame. The dad gets shot, cut to the dad. And then we cut to behind the brother, like, a over the shoulder shot and he, him falling over. And Sam isn't there. And I think that's him in the bottom of the frame as this, like, little shape, like, rolling away or something. <laughs> but it's really funny.
0: We'll have to find that frame and post it with this episode because
1: that sounds mm-hmm. really funny.
2: Yeah, I see him on the- he's on the ground there, it's- yeah, it's-
1: Uh, Speaking of amusing, uh, when Dean finds Sam in the cage, he says something about how he's getting a little rusty there, kiddo, and then at the very end, they get a call back, because Sam's like, so you got sidelined by a 13-year-old girl, huh? And Dean says, oh, shut up, Sam's just saying, getting rusty there, kiddo, which is very cute. They're having a little brotherly banter.
0: Dean calling Sam kiddo is- I just- I literally tried to draw a pleading emoji in my notebook <laughs> it was so cute i just love it when they are brothers and they're assholes to each other yeah which is why 170 yeah. is
1: so good mm-hmm.
2: which i guess uh i mean that's not the next episode but um do we wanna is do, do we have any other notes for this one no
1: nope. um, just just like a basic thing that we have already pretty much touched on but the fact that kathleen and riley are like explicitly mirrored off of dean and sam the way she's also, yeah. you know, looking for her brother, although it's much less likely that she'll actually find him, um, means that yeah, Kathleen is a Dean mirror, which means that she's supposed to be sympathetic because we like Dean. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Well, okay, we will uh, take a little break here, and when we come back, we will talk about episode sixteen, Shadow.
0: Woohoo! Plot,
2: plot, 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 plot. <laughs> So, episode 16, Shadow. We open in downtown Vancouver, I'm sorry, Chicago, totally not downtown Vancouver, even though I absolutely recognize the streets here. Um, There is a woman walking down the street at night listening to music, but then her MP3 player dies and some spooky wind picks up. She gets chased by a shadow that makes scary noises, escapes it into her home, but of course it's inside the apartment. It stabs her and she dies. Uh, the shadow effect on the wall is very cool. Um, a week later, the boys are in town looking for this thing. They saw it in the news. Dean complains about their alarm company costumes, even though he's been excited about costumes in the past, which feels like weird characterization, um... They get into the apartment and learn from the landlady that Meredith, the woman from the cold open, was horribly ripped apart and there was no clear way for the killer to have gotten in. Their EMF reader goes off and Dean reveals he learned from a cop that the killer stole her heart, which is a detail that won't really come up again or be important. Which I'm sad about because I think it's fun that it just ripped her heart right out and took it for some reason. I don't know. I guess it ate it. Um, anyway... <laughs> Dean traces the blood splatters with tape, and they reveal a the symbol.
1: It's an extremely silly detective moment because the, the it's great his tape job is it's, terrible.
2: Yeah, and it's like you could have made any shape. Like the, there's no, to the there's dots no like with connect no the dots. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, it gives them a lead. Uh, They go to the bar where the woman, Meredith, died. Uh, Dean flirts with the bartender, but they don't learn much. Then Sam runs into Meg. She is very suspicious, and Sam is very awkward because he's suspicious of her, but also doesn't want to reveal that. Uh, Meg immediately starts bullying Dean, and he leaves. Uh, Sam gets her number and her extremely comic book surname, Meg Masters. Um... Outside, Sam tries to talk to Dean about how meeting Meg is kind of weird, and he's very suspicious. He's being very genre-savvy. I joked in the chat, like, he's, like, a, a tabletop player character who sees an NPC he met before, and is like, I am suspicious of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean is not, though, and teases Sam and just thinks he wants to get laid. Um Dean does research, because Sam asked him to, and discovers that Meg Masters is indeed a real person, and is not what, uh, I thought it was a fake surname initially, but nope, she's real, she even matches her high school photo. Uh, Also, he has a very funny skeleton sticker on his laptop. Um, Dean also discovers that the sigil from earlier is related to a deva in Zoroastrianism, and Dean describes a deva as vicious, must be summoned, and a demon. Uh, We'll come back to all this later um actually it's surprisingly accurate honestly for this show even though like it's still very corny and less like i don't know i've we'll do it in your folklore corner point is yeah it takes someone extremely powerful to summon one of these things apparently sam meanwhile is following meg Uh, he sees her changing he gets called out for it by a woman walking by in the street it's a lot um he sees her go into this weird condemned building i guess uh and follows her in uh climbs up an old elevator shaft because the stairwell door is locked it's very impressive he climbs up the whole thing the it's like at least five or six floors up um he comes up the shaft into meg's spooky ritual room where she has her cup made of minecraft soul sand as you called it emma uh, and sees her talking to someone in the blood uh she says you shouldn't come the brothers are in town Sam then climbs into her ritual room and sees that she's drawn the symbol from earlier in blood after he does that after she, like, leaves. Um, Sam and Dean meet back up at the hotel and both go, dude, I got to talk to you. And it's cute. Mm -hmm. Uh, He explains to Dean what happened, says something spooky is coming to the warehouse. Dean, meanwhile, discovered that the two victims were connected because they're both from Lawrence, Kansas. Gasp. The plot has arrived and they're both baffled. Gasp dean calls john about this but there's no reply they're going to go to the warehouse and they gear up they start talking about what they'll do after they find the thing that kills mom sam says he'd want to go back to school dean gets very upset about this and says he wants the three of them to be together again to be a family again sam says i'd do anything for you but things will never be the way they were before dean says they could be sam says i don't want them to be it's very sad we will talk about this scene in detail later i'm sure Oh um Cut to the brothers sneaking into Meg's spooky ritual room. They get guns on her sneakily, but she knew they were there the whole time. Of course, Meg reveals that this whole thing was a trap. Uh, she set all of this up. She was killing people from Lawrence, Kansas to draw them here. It's very funny that she was able to find two people from Lawrence, Kansas, but I guess Chicago's a big city. Um, anyway, she sticks the Devas on them. Uh, the whole thing was a trap, but not for them. Um, for john dean doubts it'll work meg taunts him uh she's like tied them up at this point sam asks why she's doing this she says just like for you it's for loyalty and love uh he says go to hell she says baby i'm already there hinting at her true nature um meg then flirts with him it's a lot uh but then Mm. notices dean has a a, a hmm?
1: mild word for uh
3: assault yes (laughs)
2: well yes uh, yeah, she f- starts flirting with him and then starts assaulting him. Um, I was I was gonna get to that. Um, but then stops because she notices Dean has a knife was um, about to cut his way out of his bindings. Uh, she stops him but then goes back over to Sam and starts assaulting him again, uh, asks if he was just trying to distract her. He says, no, but that's because I have a knife of my own, reveals that his hands are free, grabs her shoulders, headbutts her, gets up and flips the altar. It rules. He's so cool. Uh, Sam gets go. to be cool for once. Um, the devas then, uh, the devas now freed, uh, sort of. It's weird. I don't really understand this, considering what happens later, but in the moment, it seems like the Devas are free and grab her and throw her out the window. Uh, And she looks pretty dead, but there's ten minutes left in the episode. (laughs) The boys go back to the hotel, and it's John! He's here! Boo! Yes! So Dean hugs him. It's awkward between him and Sam. John says he'd gotten there just in time to see Meg get thrown out the window. This has apparently happened before. The demon knows John's trying to kill it. Not that Meg has gone after him, but that like the demon has sent other people after him or other demons after him. He's vague about it. The boys want to come with him. He says, no, the demon is too dangerous, much like the last time they had this conversation. John acknowledges the fights that he and Sam had. They say it's good to see each other again and hug. And then the Davis attack. Cut to Meg, who is fine. And apparently the... I don't know if, like... Was that a work? I think it was a work, right? That they threw her out the window? Like, that was... She meant for that to happen? So she could trick them further?
1: Oh, I have no oh, idea. Either way, that... it worked out well for her. I was not tracking the continuity. Yeah, I don't know because was just like, like yeah, it happened.
2: <laughs> <sighs> okay. That's what I assumed because the Davids are still under her control. Yeah. And like flipping the altar didn't actually do anything.
1: Well, she still know. has Probably, like the pendant, which is implied that that's actually yeah. controlling it without the altar.
2: Yeah. So she made them throw her out the window to trick them is what I think happened there. Maybe
1: because John didn't show Probably. up, but now John is here.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now that it's over, John will come out of hiding. So if that was her plan, it was a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It worked.
2: That's my, whether or not that was intentional by the writers, that's the only way this whole situation makes sense to me, and it is a good, cool plan, so I like that reading anyway. Um, Part part 17 uh, out of a
1: zillion of John Winchester is a fucking dumbass, (laughs) and I wish he would die.
2: Uh, John gets the shit kicked out of him, gets real slashed up. Um, Sam also gets really slashed up to the point where, I thought that would probably leave a scar, oh, yeah. but I guess like, they don't it's, want it's like to mark his pretty in his face. Cheek. Like, he, yeah, their faces should be real... messed up. Yeah. But uh, they but do not scar, next episode So shrug. Means. Yeah. Um, Sam, thinking quickly, drops a flare, because they're shadow demons. Uh, this is actually right. Uh, I looked this up, uh, Davas do not like fire and bright light, uh, in the, in the folklore slash history slash like religious tech stuff about these guys um they get out of the hotel with the flare is burning they run to the car but there's three minutes left in the episode and john can't be in the next one so dean says he can't come with them uh he says that dad's vulnerable without us he's stronger when we're not around sam disagrees he has to be part of this fight john says the fight's just starting we all have a part to play you gotta let me go Sam reluctantly agrees. John leaves and gets in this huge truck. It's so big. A truck. Um.
0: literally. We're going to see more and, of the truck.
2: And uh, when they yeah. And they go their separate ways. The episode ends on Meg looking ominous. Very
1: disappointing that John didn't die this episode.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Are we just going to say that every time John yes. shows up and doesn't die?
2: Good. I I do got to say um, I am I am with you on the I hate John Winchester train. I do want to give credit to John's actor in Jeff, terms yeah, of Morgan like you really felt the him, genuine yeah. like familial warmth in that in that scene. Yeah. Like despite all the the shit that this man has done, I was like in that moment like emotional for these brothers reuniting with their dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, in the long term, John sucks. <laughs>
1: He does. Okay, are we going chronologically? Yeah. Yes. So, my first note is about the paper in the alley <laughs> during the wind. There's just so much paper flying around, which is like fair enough. Oh, yeah. You know what litter is like. I guess Chicago is like. To show how like windy that. it
2: is. It's Chicago, the windy city, exactly. and totally not Vancouver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a note um, on outfit. I think, I, think the- I guess Meredith's outfit was noteworthy to me, but I don't remember it now.
0: It it was, like, she was, it's very early 2000, yeah, like, baggy yeah. jeans, baggy low-ride jeans, mm-hmm. like, four layers of shirts. Um, like, I think she was wearing a denim jacket. Like, it was very good. I'll have to, we'll have to find a picture. Um, oh,
2: she's wearing, like, a, like, a patterned, like, is it a hoodie underneath the jacket? It's a cool, yeah, it's a zip-up hoodie that has, like, this cool design on it also.
1: That's really good. She's got her little like iPod or something. I don't know what tech that is. No. But.
2: As far as as far as cold open characters go, like uh she seemed to have a whole like life story going on. Yeah, she had, I like, feel like this is one and of the everything. more like yeah, and, like, has her, just got her music that she likes, um, she, like, apparently is paranoid enough to have this, like, really good security alarm that is mostly there for plot reasons later, but still, like, I felt like I had a good picture of her to the point where I thought she would survive, um, mm-hmm. but nope! <laughs> Yeah, I like the time um, it's spent on her. Also, the blood splatter on the wall when she's killed classic. is really good. It's just the, really That good. entire scene being framed in silhouette with just the shadows on the wall, uh, and it just mm-hmm. being in like black and white, and then the the spray of blood really stood out because of that. Also, yeah, the bit with like the hand is reaching for her is also very good and spooky. Mm-hmm.
0: I like in general the the Davas. Yeah, big, like especially in the cold open, the big looming shadow that just kind of comes out of nowhere. <clears> like <throat> when she runs out of the alleyway, and it's this long shadow cast along yeah. the the ground. Oh, it's very good. I think this it's episode
2: cool. is very clever for like a TV show with not the biggest like effects budget. Like, oh, how do we do like this spooky monster? Let's just shoot the shadows. Like we can just use mm-hmm. shadows for this, uh, and it looks really good and cool. Later in the fight scene in the apartment, like the only seeing the fight scene like from the shadows, um, mm-hmm. was was very effective
1: to me. Yeah, this is an, an episode written by Kripke himself, which is why it's like part of the plot and mm. like the good atmospheric answer yeah. of the week episode. The Eric Kripke
2: <laughs> himself, the man himself.
1: Uh, you already mentioned how apparently Dean thinks that the costumes are silly, which first of all means that Dean and John apparently didn't use costumes, which is kind of weird. Like, how were uh-huh. they getting into places? Um, also... Apparently just fine, according to implies Dean. that John didn't want them to be wearing costumes which is maybe why dean has mm-hmm. like this hang-up about costumes even though we've also seen that he does enjoy the costumes <sighs> you sad repressed little boy the costumes
2: are his idea like half the time
1: exactly he loves mm-hmm. dressing up in his silly little costumes in future so i'm gonna blame this one on yeah Cookie. yeah this is also we find out that sam was in our town which is just adorable
0: mm-hmm that sam was a, a theater kid
2: i forgot about that
0: um relevant information in the episode, in the musical episode. I think it's confirmed oh. then that Dean was a tech kid.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll also get a little peek of that side of Dean in season 2 in Hollywood Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
0: a good one. You know who wrote that one? Sorry. Ben Edlund. Is it Sarah? Uh, that was going to be my second guess. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was just going to say, it makes sense to me, considering Dean's like, homemade EMF reader and his like mm-hmm. dumb laser scan device thing, which I don't know if that's ever going to show up again, but it's going to live in my head, because it's so
0: funny.
1: He's so, so, so cute. <laughs> He's so cute. His little gadgets it's and gizmos aplenty. loving Dean aplenty. Winchester hours. Yeah. Yeah. He's got who's it's and what's it's galore. <laughs> My next note is that we have a black woman letting them into the apartment to serve as exposition. She says Mm. that the alarm system that they supposedly installed is about as useful as boobs on a man, which is just a very cute line. Uh, Dean makes a little face at that one. Uh huh. Dean's like, but my boobs. They're real. Yeah. Haven't you heard?
2: They're real. They're
1: real. They're real and women love them. (laughs) Just occurred to me that this is a podcast that exists in like real people space, and in theory, Jensen Ackles could hear this episode, but we're not going (laughs) to think about that. Well, I'm sure he would agree with us. Yeah, nice tits, sir.
3: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Tips hat. (laughs) Excellent titties, sir. (laughs) Okay. Um there's not much of a police presence in this episode. Uh
2: mm. Oh, but there is but- the off-screen cop yeah. that uh
0: Dean Yeah. pull yeah. pulls some favors. Yeah, his um his friend yeah. which is also in the sex work shift set. Yeah. Of mm. course it is. Uh yeah, Dean Dean sleeps with a police officer.
1: He starts talking I don't know about if her tattoo with her
0: to get information in
1: like a way that implies uh-huh. it's a tramp stamp. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Or is in some other very uh, intimate part of her body.
3: Uh
2: huh.
0: Um, I don't know if he slept with her to get information, or if that was, or if sleeping with her was just a happy accident. But um, he gets information out of her, which is not very much. But the fact that the Deva stole the heart, which mm-hmm. initially leads them to werewolves, which we have not been introduced to werewolves yet in the show. But um, I, I like that little red herring that will get explored at some point
2: yeah
1: like acknowledgement that they exist also he does
2: get more information out of her later with the she's the one who helps him figure out the that they're both from lawrence kansas i believe
3: Mm
1: -hmm. then dean immediately gets a bartender's number and sam calls him on it and dean's like dude i'm a professional i'm offended you would think that and sam just looks at him and he's like all right yeah and holds up the napkin he's so cute (laughs) and so
0: dumb and i love him he's such an ass and i love him I love I love how Meg says gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so cute. But then she says God's green earth. It's really funny.
2: She's really trying to be that like um
1: wholesome girl.
2: She Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's trying to like play She's like She's trying
1: innocent. to be a Sam wholesome. type.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs>
0: Very, very cute. I also love how she just fucking rips into Dean.
1: Yeah, that Oh, yeah.
0: I would never have the guts to just, like, yell at somebody's... Unless their brother was, like, really, really, really shitty. Which I guess, in her perspective, he is. But, like, I would never have the guts to just, like, fucking fire at some guy's brother in the middle of a bar that I've never met before.
1: I mean, in the perspective that we already know she's sinister, I think this scene comes across as she's trying to, like, put a wedge between them. You know, she's yeah she's putting probably. her plan into place, but it also helps if they're not a united front.
2: Oh, yeah. Also, like, when they meet up before that, um, he's like, I'm just in town visiting friends. She looks around. And goes, Where are they? And then Sam pauses and goes, uh, they're not here right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, my notes yeah. say Sam is worse You're at so lying so bad at lying.
2: Doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's really
1: good. Meg mentions that she met somebody Whose name I didn't recognize, Michael Murray. Is that like a celebrity? I don't know who that is. Isn't Michael Murray an actor?
2: He's he's a, a Dawson's Creek actor. Um oh. he's a, he's in a bunch of CW shows. He's also in the Gilmore Girls. So that's a little that's... little like CW expanded universe <laughs> reference there.
0: Of course, it comes from Kripke.
1: Oh. Never mind. It's uh she says, "What's his name? Something Michael Murray." And according yeah, Chad to Michael the, Murray yeah, is his name? Gilmore Girls, which which Michael makes it Murray very and funny. What that is like,
0: <laughs> it is very funny.
2: Oh, he's also on Riverdale. Yeah, this guy's like a big time CW actor. Oh
0: my goodness! The insanity. Never. Oh, he plays
2: Ted Bundy in Ted Bundy American Boogeyman. Okay, this can't be actor facts. This guy isn't even in the episode.
1: Oh, goodness gravy. Well, there's like five actors in this episode, so...
2: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually have actor facts for this episode. I didn't Unless have Meredith
1: was someone interesting or the landlady, there's like no one else no. to talk to, so... No. Um, I like how
0: Dean was like, she wasn't even that into me. Yeah. Like, shocked and appalled. Uh-huh. Which I would imagine is probably a similar response he had to Jess. of Like, what do you mean she's not making eyes at
1: me?
3: Yeah.
0: Like, Dean, you're stupid. Well, again,
1: this is Kripke writing him. So I am, again, inclined to blame all of his extra toxic masculinity on that. Yep. With his cool, defiantly on PC car.
3: Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. The homophobic car. (laughs) That's why he got into heaven. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the best reaction we got, from for mentioning the finale. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: impolitic cast of Super Hell it's damn cell. <laughs> we cannot get into this right now. Um Also, I don't know. I don't know, does anyone else have a scene a Meg Bar scene comment?
2: i it's funny that Dean's just like a woman who isn't into me? I'm just going to leave. I don't know how to deal with this.
1: Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, he gets Dean, two girls in this episode, and he's like, wow, I didn't get a third one.
0: Literally. Dean's fucking winning in Chicago, apparently. <laughs> uh, the the scene where Sam is... i Again, I... I the same thing with tox- Dean's toxic masculinity, the ickiness with regard to Meg being, like, just changing in front of the window oh, yeah. while Sam watches. I will also attribute to Kripke. Um
1: It is a little bit cute that it, Dean it's is, it's like, very... giving him advice um, in, like, a really gross uh-huh. way, but he's, like, he's trying to get his brother, you know, sorry, motorcycle, he's trying to, you know, help
0: help him out. Yeah, it's it's sweet. Um, but it's also very uncomfortable. And then, like Sam, when the lady like knocks on the window, is like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing?" He starts making an excuse, like, "Oh, this isn't what it looks like." Like, no, it is exactly what it looks like. You are watching her change. You just are pretending to be on a stakeout, yeah. like.
2: Uh huh.
0: Um. It. It was like, Sam, you are being a pervert. I'm sorry, but like, it's what's it's what's happening. Can't lie about
1: Yeah, also really sad that the woman who calls him a pervert is, like, the best scoring on the character of color sheet so far. Like, she doesn't have a name, but on the other hand, she survives, she's not a cop, she's not a monster, Uh, her race isn't relevant (laughs) to the story, like, she doesn't check any of the bad boxes, and she has one line, which is one word. Oh, boy. This is is a terrible, terrible show in, like, unironic ways. This is the bad place. My notes say Sam is gatekeeping again, but I don't know why. Oh, here. Uh, Sam's like, how'd you figure that out? And Dean says, give me some credit, man. You don't have a corner on paper chasing around here. And Sam says, oh, yeah, name the last book you read. <laughs> and Dean admits that he called oh, Dad yeah. Caleb. And got the information that way. So not only did he fail Sam's gatekeeping test, he uh, didn't do the reading himself.
0: SMH, F for the semester.
1: And again, we have the boys um, hooking up with the Hunter Network. But, again, mm-hmm. off-screen, these are not actual characters. They're just names for information sources.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Sam is a strong boy. He climbed up that elevator shaft all by himself.
1: Yeah, it did not look like all he was hanging from it. his hands. It was like, I guess he has his feet on something, but then he moves in ways that kind of look like it's implied he's not supposed to be standing on something. I don't know. It was not very uh, convincing physicality, oh, but it-, it was Okay.
2: Yeah, no, it's really not convincing. It looks like he's just standing on a box, like, looking up. It, he's really not straining himself. His shoulders are too, his sh- like, yeah. Like he has it's, his
1: arms bent. He's it not realistic he should be, at like, all. Shaking it's so hurt. funny.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, it should be making a lot more noise. He's in very and, Like, there's no way you can sneakily climb up that fucking rattly-ass uh-huh. elevator shaft.
2: We see in next episode that he's in very good shape, but still.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> We get Sam titties. I don't want to compliment Jared Padalecki's tits, so.
3: It's <laughs> so just the negative
1: space of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a cute bit where they're like, are you nervous? No, are you? No, no way. They're just like, uh, grand housing for each other. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when they have their conversation about like, what would you do if we got the demon? Um, And Sam's like, You've we, we already said that Sam wants to go back to school and be a person again, which is very interesting phrasing, considering the like weight of the word person yeah. in the show, um, as we've discussed. But also, Sam's like, what are you going to do when it's all over? And Dean says, it's never going to be over, there's always going to be something to hunt. Like Sam conceptualizes, I think we've mentioned this before, Sam thinks of them as hunting the demon that killed their mom and Dean thinks of them as hunters.
2: Yeah, it's this whole conversation is really sad. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, but then the last line is, you're going to have to let me go my own way, which just made me laugh because of High School
3: Musical.
2: (laughs) You could go. I mean, it made me laugh because I know know that this show is 15 seasons and that, Sam, (sighs) you're never going back to school, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Sam is doomed to be a protagonist. Yeah,
1: there's like an ancient Mm -hmm. post. From like ye old Tumblr, where it's like a screenshot of like the pilot, I think where they um they just look very small, you know, they look extremely young, and it's captioned something like Sam still thinks he's going to that interview on Monday, and it's like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Sam. Poor little meow meow.
1: Season one, Sam, my beloved. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's such a little boy. Um.
0: I don't remember the context of this line, but I wrote in quotes, something you want, followed by three uppercase H's. It's probably about Dean, but...
2: (laughs) Trust me, trust me way too much. Okay, yeah, this is... So, I'm just gonna read this part of the transcript, because I feel like this is thematically uh, important. So, uh, there's the be a person thing. You want to go back to school? Yeah, and we're done hunting. Um... Dean goes, huh? Sam goes, why? Is there something wrong with that? No, no. It's uh, great. Good for you. I mean, what are you going to do when it's all over? It's never going to be over. There's going to be others. There's always going to be something to hunt. But there's got to be something that you want for yourself. And Dean cuts him off and says, yeah, I don't want you to leave the second this thing's over, Sam. Sam's, Sam ah. goes, dude, what's your problem? Why do you think I drag you everywhere, huh? I mean, why do you think I came and got you at Stanford in the first place? Because dad was in trouble because he wanted to find the thing that killed mom. Yes, but it's more than that, man. You and me and dad, I mean, I want us to be together again. I want us to be a family again. And then I went over the lines that they say after this earlier. It's so. There's so much. We've, again, we've talked multiple times about how they frequently say, I love you to each other without saying it. And extremely Dean being like, I wanted, I came and got you because I missed you.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, like Dean, just wanting a family, just wanting stability, and for him, the only stability he can think of is having the three of them living a hunting life, like how they were raised. Ugh. Yeah. It's
1: just, uh, and also this, um, contrasting with the end where he's like, "No, Dad, you have to go."
0: Yes, very much. Um, well, mm-hmm. I think John actually says the words "You have to let me go." He's talking to Sam. So the yeah the the Sam like, John Dean Mere. is the one who starts that. He Very they're bad. they're
1: about to like leave, and Dean says, "Wait, wait, wait, Sam, wait, Dad, you can't come with us." And John like immediately gets what he's saying, and uh, Sam starts arguing with him. Sigh. Yeah. So this like we we know what Dean wants, but we also see that this is what John thinks should happen, and Dean kind of um intuits that. And immediately uh puts that forward as like what needs to happen.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um The fact that they just walk right into a trap is really amusing for me.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they thought they were they, being so sneaky. Like,
0: literally. And it's like, I don't know. I I feel like Meg was definitely playing into their like main character syndrome <laughs> a little bit where she just goes, The brothers, they're in town. Like that's so vague. But, like, obviously she's talking about them. Like, it's just, it's really funny looking at it. Like, you guys are d- you're d- you guys are dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Meg assaulting Sam is terrible and uncomfortable, and I hate yeah,
2: it a lot. It's yep. it's not, it's bad. Yeah.
1: Speaking of bad, Dean refers to Meg as both Sam's girlfriend and a bitch. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of bad femme fatale tropes with Meg.
1: Uh, and then Meg refers to john's boys as his weakness which is a a hell of a thing to say um Uh like again this idea that like everything john does is for the good of his family and because he loves his sons and you know that makes everything okay and this idea that like he would come for them even though we've seen that when the boys are in trouble john just does not show up so dean was dying in 112 faith and he did not come. Yeah. yeah, the fact that
0: he only came because Dean mentioned the demon is—it's
2: uh-huh.
0: a lot. It's a lot. Um, when I—I I like the um, when they go into the hotel room and John is silhouetted against the window because it's such a callback to the first episode where we see uh, the demon who Mary thinks is John mm-hmm. um, silhouetted mm-hmm. over Sam's. Uh, nurse, Great. like in Sam's nursery, it's very, it's very. I don't know if it was intentional, but that's immediately what it reminded me of. I think it is.
1: It, it's like um, very direct parallels there. Um, where, where in the first then, episode, you think that it's John and it turns out to be a demon, and in this one, you think that yeah. it's something bad and it turns out to be John. It's a nice little reversal.
0: Mm-hmm. My notes from here get very angry.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it.
0: In addition to that scribble I sent in the chat last night, I have, ugh, fuck, scribbled in all
1: capital letters, very big. (laughs) The fact that that Dean, like, immediately apologizes.
2: Yeah, the way they call him, sir. Like, he gets
1: his hug, but the first thing he says is, dad, it was a trap, I didn't know I'm sorry. Like, he's immediately assuming that John is going to be mad at him for leading him into this trap. Uh, He has to, like, clarify that it was Mm -hmm. his bad. The
0: the unison, yes, sir. Misery. Misery and anguish. (sighs) makes me shake with rage
1: (sighs) and there's a bit where sam says dad you don't have to worry about us and john says of course i do i'm your father well show it then you don't worry about them Uh do you
0: yeah you didn't even call to make sure dean was okay what the fuck is your problem dean was dying dying.
1: and then instead of like apologizing got dad killed (sighs) like Instead of yes. apologizing, John is like, hey, so, we, you know, we had a fight. It's good to see you again. And then they hug. Like, that was the apology. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then after the Deva fight, Dean says, we almost got yeah, Dad not killed. Us. Like, specifically blaming him yeah. and Sam for, like, quote-unquote, leading, leading the Devas there. It's just, it's so much. The fact that Dean, like, Thinks that whatever, if anything bad were to happen yeah. to John, it would be his fault because it's it's not only Dean's fault to take care of Sam, but it's apparently his 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 job to take care. Yeah, of Yeah, which which makes this me crazy because so also, um,
1: uh, uh, once the demons attack them again, there's like the flare with all the smoke, and so they're like coughing their way out of the room, and Dean picks up John and helps you know pull him out, which is exactly what he did with Sam. Oh, uh, we mm-hmm. forgot I forgot to mention last episode, um, when. Dean is explaining how Sam is his responsibility to Kathleen. He says, "I kind of, I pretty much pulled him from the fire, which is a very literal explanation of what happens." Uh-huh. And so now he's pulling John out of the smoke, because Dean carries his family on his shoulders. He is the eldest daughter. i um, with John Dean Winchester.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I w- I wonder. I maybe this is something we could find with some research. But John's big fucking truck, I wonder if it's the same truck just without as many soups as uh the oh, ghost man. truck in route 666. Yeah. I don't know. Cuz like it looks like it might be the same model. I don't
2: know. We only see it from behind um, like it's we don't really get a good.
0: Well, we will see it
2: All from right. the
1: front later on. So... the truck is a 1986 stepside GMC Sierra Grande. All
2: right, that's not the same truck.
0: Okay, so no, definitely not. Okay. That would Wouldn't be very that funny. be something though?
2: Um the thing I was going to say is like I think as 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 bad for the brothers as the whole like John reunite scene thing is, I think it is very effective as like Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been building up like John's been built up for so long. And I think it's a very good, it really communicates their dynamics and their history um, in a way that makes it very clear what their lives were like back when they were teenagers on the road with John.
1: Yeah, we'll see this more mm-hmm. as season one continues, but yeah. like the way we see them in their scenes is extremely good at conveying their history and dynamic. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um all three of the actors do a very good job of selling mm-hmm. the relationship despite the fact that they haven't actually all three interacted yeah. on screen. Um I think it's it's very good. Very good acting work.
2: Anything else to this episode?
0: That's all I had. Um I have my music corner. Oh yeah? <laughs> I think I deserve a corner. <laughs> Um of I have gotten into the habit of checking the supernatural wiki uh-huh. uh because i because of the music discrepancies uh-huh. that we have had the music
2: discrepancies in the next one too in a way that I think is funny and very
0: very relevant. funny yeah so um in this episode um the three songs that are in the original is You Got Your Hooks and Me by Little Charlie and the Nightcats, Pictures of Me by The View and New World The New World by X, and then a Netflix, uh, in the same order, respectively. They are replaced with Headache by Boo Boo Davis, Stripped by Motor Baby, and Skinny Waitress by the Peasants. Hmm. It's not much of like a it's not plot important, like it is in Faith. Um and it's not like kind of a fun little thing like it is in the next episode, uh-huh. but I think it's really interesting. I want to know like why all of the music well, is they suddenly changed. Lost the
2: music rights to a lot of things, I would assume, and the songs they replaced them with were cheaper. I don't know.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I mean, the Death Riders aren't even on Spotify, so they must be. Yeah. Which is homophobic, by the way. If the, the Death Riders, if you're listening to this, <laughs> put your fucking music on Spotify. I, mean, I want a, a lot of a lot be transgender. There
2: are there are artists who have like a moral uh, d- moral reasons for not putting their music on Spotify, which I think is fair. As a
0: okay, yeah, that's valid. It's fuck Spotify. We're on Spotify. Don't say that. We're getting kicked off Spotify. <laughs> Don't
2: say that. They'll hear us.
0: Uh, <laughs> the powers that be. <laughs>
2: So before we move on to the next one, uh briefly uh Deva's um so most of this is right uh in like a really hammy uh like monster of the week like pulp show usage of like actual of of like beings that are in an actual religion that is still uh practiced today Zoroastrianism, I think the I think it's the oldest like, still practiced religion. I think that's true. Uh, it's very old, anyway. Either,
0: either that, or it's the oldest monotheistic one, yeah. I can't remember.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. The oldest, the oldest, like, still practiced, like, organized religion, anyway, in the, like, yeah, a- anyway. Um. It's very old. It's very, very old. So, yeah, and speaking of which, so devas, um, are very likely, um, it's, it, like the actual not even very likely this is true um devas are described in the writings of Zoroaster who was like a ancient like Iranian religious figure uh, who founded zoroastrianism um are described as rejected gods uh which is people are probably more familiar with the word deva as it uh is related to um uh hinduism uh, and in hinduism they are benevolent um and that that word like has the same like language root because uh india and iran are not that far from each other and there's just definitely like cross-cultural stuff going on there uh from that in that whole region um when in zoroastrianism they're like bad rejected gods that people used to worship prior to uh zoroastrianism and uh, as that tends to be, similarly with, like, in uh, the Bible, there are, like, gods. There are gods who were worshipped at the time who are later, like, made into demons. Um, like, what's the, what's the fish guy? What's the Babylonian, Babylonian fish god who is, like, in Lovecraft now? I have no what? idea. Okay, hold on. Dagon. Like, Dagon.
1: Oh. Oh. Uh,
2: sorry, not <laughs> Babylonian. Uh, Semitic.
1: Me and Ash um, were both immediately like, oh no, no, like,
2: no, no northwest, North- no, Babylonian fertility god who de- evolved into a northwest Semitic god, anyway. Yeah, so I
0: thought, I thought Dagon was a demon. Yeah,
2: that's what, like I said, he is turned into a demon by the more popular religion, uh, literally ah, demonizing, <laughs> demonizing him. Uh, the same thing was done to the uh, devas of Iran by Zoroastrianism. Like I said, yeah, they are later turned into demons, um, uh, because Zoroastrianism is so old and, like, also Christianity and, like, a lot of other religions, there's a lot of, like, non, like, primary textual folklore surrounding, uh, the stuff in it, um, there is, there are different accounts of devas and what they are and what they do, um, sometimes they are nonviolent and mostly like curse you or like lead you to do bad acts. Uh, but there are other sources that describe them as violent in the way Dean describes them as. So it's like, it's doing the thing supernatural does where it like paints over a complex subject and just like uses it as its monster of the week to be a scary shadow monster. Uh, but they do mostly come out at night. Uh, they do hate light. um, sometimes they're invisible sometimes they're not sometimes they're not that's also that depends uh and my favorite little fact uh that i wrote in the chat uh, is a quote from the wikipedia article um demons a devas in this context are attracted by chatter at mealtimes and when silence is broken a demon takes the place of the angel at one side which is which is great uh great humans being humans <laughs> Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's devas uh this episode is less wrong about them than it is wrong about other things which we'll get to next episode (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah can't wait to talk about the tulpa spoilers uh speaking of which (laughs) yeah spoilers but uh, if you're watching with us you've seen this one already we said what we were doing this week um Mm-hmm. but uh yeah i guess for people only listening there's a tulpa next episode anyway yeah we're gonna take a little break here and when we come back we'll talk about episode 17 hell house
1: so 117 hell house we open with a group of teens doing their teen thing by heading inside the aforementioned hell house it's a group of three guys and one girl in like incredibly stereotypical friend group fashion um the girl mm-hmm. is immediately sexualized by one of the guys it's a very creepy house there's like these weird symbols on the wall which become plot relevant um uh-huh <laughs> why Wyatt- Shush, you'll get your turn. Um, <laughs>
2: yes, I'll tell this story later.
1: Craig says that he heard the story of the ghost that haunts this place from his cousin, who we later learn his name, Dana. Um, and he doesn't know where she heard it, but uh, there's the story of something that strings girls up. And so they kind of goof around in this haunted house until they find a hanged girl in the cellar. And then he screams, not the girl, which is a nice little turnaround, and mm-hmm. smash cuts at the title sequence. Sam and Dean are in the car. Dean messes with him by like putting a spoon in his mouth, and t- while he's asleep, and turning up the radio. So they they launched their prank war. This is such a good episode yeah. for the brothers. It's adorable. This is
2: this is my favorite B plot that the show has had. It's it's so good.
1: They should never have stopped giving us this. It should have just been a prank war for fifteen seasons. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the prank war dynamic, where like they like each other and they're having fun with each other. That was so good. Um, so th- I, I really Aww. like this episode. Uh, Sam tells Dean about the kids from the cold open, how they found the body, but it was gone before the cops could ID it. Uh, Sam admits that he found this info on, like, a really lame paranormal website, hellhoundslair.com Dean kind of makes fun of him for it. They make fun of the guys who must run the website. Um... Which is going to come up. Mm
2: -hmm. They also do that thing we talked about earlier where they do like the give me the lowdown again as a way for them to exposition dump to the audience.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. I could write for the show. It would be so easy. Fill in the blanks like Mad Libs. (laughs) The boys go interview the kids and there's like a great montage of their mismatched accounts of what happens where they don't agree on anything. It's really good. It's like very fun to watch. It's so good. Um, and then they all point towards Craig as the one who brought them there and told them the story. So they go interview him at his music store, and he tells them about Mordecai Murdoch, a farmer during the Depression who wanted an end quicker than starving, and so he hanged his six daughters and then himself. Steen um, and Sam go to the house and uh, announce, yeah,
3: sure.
2: Before we leave the record store... In this scene, Dean pulls out a copy of the album Point of No Return by Kansas, uh, which is Kansas, the band who does Carry On My Wayward Son, so we get a little it was nod great. at that. Also, last night
1: we had a little is great. <laughs> moment where we couldn't figure out what the album cover was, but we got it in the end.
2: Yes, I was...
1: Um, Dean and Sam we at did. the house announced that EMF is useless because of the power lines nearby um sam recognizes this one of the symbols on the wall as being from the 60s which is too late for mordecai murdoch according to the story craig told them and steen recognizes a symbol but can't place it <laughs> why it immediately recognized it which is very funny
2: uh uh-huh. <laughs> not immediately but i went and I, like i discovered it so shortly it didn't take me very long
1: being too much of a fanboy um, but for now, we don't know what the symbol is. It's just like bugging uh-huh. that he can't figure out what it is. Uh, the, si- the symbols on the wall are apparently relatively fresh paint, so definitely not from the 30s. Um, there's a noise in the next room, and they discover we finally get introduced. I say finally, it's season one. We get introduced to Ed Zedmore and Harry Spengler. I love them, these are such good side characters. Mm.
2: They're so yeah, good. No
1: They're they so this good. Is such a good episode. Uh, these are the guys who run the Hellhounds Laird website, and they are here as quote professional paranormal investigators. Uh, it's very funny because they call the boys amateurs, uh, but it's obvious for the audience that they know less than Sam and Dean do. They've never even seen a ghost. They uh, have a little EMF reader, but they don't know that because of the power line, it's faulty. So we get like nice little joke of like other. Uh, ghost hunters who just actually don't know anything, um, they also, uh, talk about how they they were smoking pot right before this as an additional joke. Um, the boys' research turns up nothing about Mordecai Murdoch. Uh, Sam has a little score with the prank war, uh, with messing with Dean's stereo. Uh, another group of teens sends a girl in and she, uh, is hanged by the ghost of Mordecai, who shouldn't exist, and it gets ruled a suicide. Sam and Zine return to the house, but Ed and Harry are also there. And Dean does this cute little "Who you gonna call?" so that the cops look over and find Ed and Harry to chase them away. Very good. And Sam and Dean get inside the house. Mordecai appears, and he is immune to rock salt, which he definitely should not be if he is simply a spirit. And so they run away. Uh, Ed and Harry see Mordecai and get dragged off by the cops. Sam discovers that Mordecai's uh, slit wrists, which they saw while they were in the house, which does not match up with the hanging that he was supposed to have done, instead matches the story on the Hellhound site, which has a different version than the one they were told. Um, and at this point, Dean realizes that the symbol he recognized is actually a logo for Blue Oyster Cult, and so they go talk to Craig again for, in the music store from the music store. Uh, and he admits that he made the story up with his cousin because they were bored, but definitely nobody was supposed to die. There should not be an actual ghost. Uh, the prank war continues. Dean puts itching powder in Sam's underwear. De- uh, Sam glues Dean's hand to a beer bottle. It's great. It keeps going. And Sam suggests that Mordecai might be a tulpa who uh, exists because people believe in him, amplified by the internet, seeing a symbol of a Tibetan spirit sigil that... Uh, Craig and Dana painted on the walls, not knowing what it was, and so they trick Ed and Harry into posting on their website that Monokai has a weakness for iron rounds.
2: It's a really good um, smart plan. I like it yeah, a lot. Yeah, they have
1: like this great reverse psychology moment. It's really good. They, yeah, they get they get the they completely take advantage of having idiots to work with. <laughs> um, So they go back to the house, Ed and Harry are again also there, they're attacked by Mordecai, who is not defeated by the Iron Rounds, and it turns out that the Hellhound site crashed the server before the story could spread enough, and so instead, (laughs) Dean just burns the house down, because Mordecai can't leave the house, and so if there is no house, there is no haunting, Mm -hmm. uh, which is excellent out-of-the-box thinking, good job, Dean.
2: Yeah, this is big, very similar to, we just gotta melt down everything silver in the house back in hookhand.
1: Yeah, just. Fire Hook Man
2: uh, episode.
1: Salt and burn the land to yeah. make sure nothing happens. Uh, and then Sam. Uh, Sam prank calls Ed and Harry into thinking that they've made it to Hollywood. They're getting like a book deal and a movie and an RPG and everything. And Zena admits that he put a dead fish in their backseat. And so they have called a truce on the prank war because they have teamed up to work together to prank other people. It's very cute. Um, and that was the episode. Sam
2: pranking them to such an extent that like he knew that they would be really excited by an RPG deal. Like, big. Like, nerdy Sam knowing how to communicate with other nerds. (laughs) This episode's great. I also hate Mm -hmm. the primary conceit of it, which I will talk about later.
1: Oh, I love it for, like, narrative purposes. No, everything about this episode... There's a lot to unpack about the TELPA.
2: Yeah, everything about this episode is great, but the, like, the way the episode uses the TELPA and the way this episode apparently taught people about the Tulpa drives me nuts. Um, but starting back from the beginning... So yeah, the Blue Oyster Cult symbol thing, I noticed... I figured that out immediately because I'm, I'm a big nerd and i be like, oh wait... I recognize that symbol. I want to know what that symbol is. I think that would be fun context if I knew what this was. That might like give a hint about this episode or something. And it did in a way that I wasn't expecting. I thought it might be like a uh, astro- astrological symbol, which apparently the blue oyster cult blue oyster cult symbol is based off of the symbol for Saturn, but they're not that similar. I don't know. Um anyway, yeah, that's the whole thing of like uh I got spoiled, at least in terms of what th- that this whole situation is like a fake, uh, which isn't a big deal that gets revealed pretty quickly. But uh, there's a fun bit of foreshadowing, at least in the DVDs of the show, not in the Netflix version because they lost the music rights. But the um, the episode starts with Fire of Unknown Origin by Blue Oyster Cult, uh, which Dean gets very into. He like taps along with the drums he does his
1: little um, elbow dance. Oh, yeah. He's so cute.
2: And uh later um in the record store when they're talking about the symbol, they also pull up the album cover for Fire of Unknown Origin, which is like a nice like through line, I guess. Um yeah, Dean being very like, I know that symbol, and Sam not knowing it, like makes you think like, oh, is this going to be is Dean going to be the smart one for once? But no, it's just because he likes Blue Oyster
3: cult.
0: It's really good. Uh, I just want to call out the the kids in the cellar when one of them goes, where Satan cans all these right, vegetables. Yeah. I just think <laughs> yeah. that's the, it was, the most it adorable was good. line. It's so These good. kids were fun. Um, mm-hmm. Also, Sam
1: is very cute yeah. sitting in the car. Yeah, and then spitting out the spoon. So adorable. They're so little. They're just mm-hmm. goofing around. They're so happy. They're just baby. Uh, I did. I do have in my notes uh, to also, yell at Dean for. it's very rainy for, for Texas. You know, doing this while he's driving,
3: uh-huh. <laughs> sir. Look at the road. Yes, <laughs> Not your sir. Brother.
1: Yes. Uh, we also find out that Dean once neared Sam's shampoo, which is very funny. Uh huh. <laughs> at one point in his life, mm-hmm. Sam was canonically bald. <laughs> 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 um,
0: it's very rainy for Texas. Uh huh.
2: That's because it's Va that's good. No, it's because it's the Greater Vancouver Metropolitan Area.
0: Yep. Just every time there's rain, I'm like, it. Surely, it doesn't rain this much in America. It
2: doesn't it rain depends, that much here, but but not not inland as much.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Which is where yeah. I this. Am. Uh, also, probably not yeah, in Texas. No, not. I
2: mean, it depends on the time of year, but I think if it rains, it usually rains harder and not like the the light like. Uh, temperate rainforest, coastal rain that we get here. Yeah, this episode was filmed mostly around um uh Pit Meadows. Yeah. Uh mostly Pit Meadows and um downtown Vancouver and a little bit of Surrey. Uh so yeah. A little bit inland. Still very rainy <laughs> and misty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shoutouts again to SBN locations at live dur- dot livejournal.com. dot dot com.
0: I also find it very interesting how uh in this episode, it's Sam who wants to hunt despite John being yeah. missing.
2: I think the thing is, is like Sam cannot resist a mystery, and um, and this episode is particularly like the the setup is more of a mystery than the boys often deal with. Like the story, it, it takes longer for them to actually realize what the monster is. The story is like weird and juicy in a way that clearly gets Sam's interest. Uh, Detective Sam wins again. (laughs) I
1: Mm -hmm. also like that Sam uh, refers to it as a pretty misogynistic spirit. It's like, hey, Uh I didn't know you knew that word. Yeah. Oh, on that note, this episode was written by uh, Trey Calloway. I'm pretty sure this is his only Hmm. episode.
0: Well, good for him. It's a good episode. Yeah,
1: this is his only episode. Interesting. Uh, we do get his characters back, though. Yeah,
2: he, yeah, he, both with the Tulpa thing that I'll talk about shortly, and, uh, the Ghost Hunters, this guy left quite a, uh, made quite a splash in his one episode of writing for Supernatural.
1: Yeah, really good one, sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dean kind of makes fun of Sam for checking out these trashy little paranormal websites, uh, uh-huh. the, uh It's very cute. Most of these websites wouldn't know a ghost if it bit him in the persqueeter, which made me laugh really <laughs> hard.
2: Yeah, the, the the yeah the writing the dialogue in this episode in general is really good and fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I've never heard the term persqueeter <laughs> except for the <Attitling laughs> master's mouth. So it's really good. I, I think
2: honestly, like. There are other episodes I like more just as, like, examples of, like, good writing and, like, th- good thematic consistency. I think this is the most fun episode we've seen so far. It had, like, yeah, the lightest, lightest and most playful tone, even though someone still dies in it.
1: The only character of color in this episode, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, the lighting
0: in this episode sucks. Yeah, my notes also say very that. dark
1: visuals. hmm
3: and you Alex know was standing I over noticed. my shoulder, and
0: he was like, I can't see fucking shit. And I was like, well, let me turn off the desk lamp, and it did not help at all.
2: Mm-hmm. Very dark. I guess it may have been to, like, help that uh, shadow effect that they used for the tulpa, which is, was like, eh. It was fine. Uh, would not have worked as, like, would have been even less fine if uh, it had been brighter, I think. Because, yeah. like, in the previous, in, like, uh, Asylum, which we talked about actually not being as dark as we might have expected, those are all just people in makeup, and while uh, the Tulpa is, like, mm-hmm. a physical actor when it's in its physical form, uh, when it, like, melts into shadow, that's a CGI effect, and CGI mm-hmm. works better when it's really dark. Tell that's a Pirates of the
0: Caribbean. When they show up to the house,
1: <laughs> Dean, Dean makes a joke about curb appeal, which is just extremely cute of him. Like... Mm-hmm. he's he's never owned a house being cute? but like he has an interest in it you know he knows yeah. how to talk about real estate
2: he probably it's watches home improvement shows no. all the all, all the daytime God, tv yeah, he watches be.
1: yeah yeah um sam when sam recognizes the sigil as being too late for mordecai to have painted it dean says this is mm-hmm. exactly why you never get laid uh-huh um, <laughs> as opposed to dean who recognizes the cool yeah. music symbols
2: uh-huh He's also wrong about that symbol, right? <laughs> I think the, uh, it's not a sulfur, Oh wait, was it sulfur?
1: Yeah, that's what Sam Yeah, it's, it's not, not I don't think. Yeah, the wiki page says, Errors, they mention a sigil of sulfur, but show a symbol of a cross inside a circle which resembles a sun cross.
0: Yeah, the symbol for sulfur is, uh, the, the dick,
2: the uh-huh. dick cross. <laughs>
0: that's the only way I can describe it's a, it without making references to finding about. It's a, it's a, a triangle,
2: triangle with a cross at the bottom. <laughs>
0: what? Oh, I'm looking at, oh, that's apparently the Leviathan cross. Why did it? Why is that <laughs> okay, primarily I've what came up, up when You're I looked right. up sulfur symbol? See, there thank are you! Different,
2: there are different symbols for sulfur, I guess.
0: The Leviathan cross might just be like
3: an alchemical well, the,
2: the I don't know. No, because the triangle with the it cross at the different. bottom is an alchemical symbol. That I know. I don't know where the yeah. I don't know how the Leviathan cross ended up. But apparently it's the Satanic scriptures. So that would come later. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway. Uh,
0: yeah, that's not the symbol for silver. Yeah. Anyway, he's
2: wrong about it. Did did does it say anywhere? Did either of you catch what that like triangular one uh, that's also on the wall is? Because I noted I that was down. But counting I counting on look you it to up. do
1: this part, Wyatt.
2: I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I looked at alchemical symbols and, like, astronomical symbols and stuff, which is how I ended up finding the Blue Oyster Cult symbol, but also to find that one, but I couldn't find that one either, so I, I guess it's not one of those. It might all, it might be another band symbol because Dean, like, nods at it as far as, like, when they're talking about the fake symbols, but um, just as a side note, uh, I thought it was really funny how they lured the cops away with that, like, laughing, like guy in the restaurant yeah, i skipped but, I yeah, guess yeah, that they, is, but
1: at the yeah. restaurant when they're pulling on the the thing on the wall that just makes it a horrible cackling sound and driving uh-huh. each other nuts with it
2: yeah sam's like says if you pull that again i'll kill you and then dean immediately pulls it again extreme like great like younger brother older brother dynamic uh yeah but then i guess they and stole that as, from the uh, when, restaurant when
1: sam reveals that he's Glue dean's bottle to his hand samples yeah to underline his his joke his yes
2: hand. it's great it's really cute yeah, yes but i wonder if that's one of those things where like they're filming on location and they see this like thing in the restaurant and they're like oh we have to put this in the script we have to use this in the episode this is a weird thing
1: god that would
2: be fun. uh i found the symbol
1: that looks familiar yeah um uh, pinterest is saying it might be a sigil of lucifer
2: yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it looks All like. Right. I had to sift through a lot of washing machine instructions to
0: find
2: it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's it.
0: Yeah. Um, when Dean and Sam go to the record shop to talk to Craig, and Craig mentions that he writes for the Lit Journal, Dean calls him Morrison, which I can only assume is a reference to Tony Morrison. No, Morrissey. The fact that Morrissey. Morrissey? I'm pretty sure the subtitles say Morrissey. It's Morrissey. Yeah, never mind. Nice try! Damn it! I was gonna get all emotional about Dean, about Dean knowing about
2: Tony No,
1: <laughs> no. Dean only
2: Dean only knows musicians, which is why he makes a, which is why he makes a Morrissey joke, even though oh, it's about on. writing. The
1: wiki page does say Morrison, and, really, uh, as a reference to Jim Morrison. Oh, which is possible, but Who's I'm pretty Jim? sure the transcript says Morrissey, and the subtitles. Hmm. Who's Jim Morrissey? It sounded like Morrissey to me. I also heard that. Supernatural continues to be a bad show. Um
0: also when they when they go to investigate the house at night, uh, I notice that Jared nearly slips in the mud. <laughs> like he does a very good job that's, of not showing it, really but funny. like he does nearly slip and fall. That's... It's very funny.
2: What's the timestamp for that? Oh, let yeah. me find okay. it.
0: Um yeah, keep keep talking. I'll find it in the okay. background. Uh
1: in the meantime, Ed and Harry. Do lots of nerdy little references this episode. Yeah. They're like, what would Buffy oh, do? Yes. But Buffy's stronger than me. So <laughs> Buffy's
2: good. stronger than me. Ed, no, he <laughs> goes, Ed, she's stronger than me. It's
1: great. <laughs> They're so good. I love it's them. It's so
3: cute.
1: Um, they also mentioned John Edward, who's a psychic medium and was the star of the show Crossing over with John Edward.
3: They,
2: um, I have like my two big things I want to talk about this episode with the Tulpa and the Ghost Hunters. Um, yes. The Ghost Hunters particularly, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, and also like Ash and I have talked about this elsewhere. Um, A lot of the time when shows make characters like this, they're either like intentionally or uh, unintentionally or intentionally uh, making fun of autistic Mm -hmm. people. Sheldon Cooper is a very good example, Uh, and oftentimes it really bothers me uh, because a lot of the times, it's like, this is... You guys don't really understand what you're doing. You're just making this punching bag character who is saying, like, absolute nonsense. Um And also, like, you're using, like, uh, neurotypical coding as, like, the butt of your jokes. But these people didn't... These guys didn't bother me, in part because, like... I don't know, there's such dweebs, in a way, that, like... Fits more, I guess. Like they the the pothead stuff. Says, the uh, like that their site must I, be I think it's from a like,
1: basement. Uh, which is a little bit more of a punch down joke, but the rest of it is like, yeah, yeah they're they're just dorks having fun. It hunting is. ghosts, making their little show.
2: Yeah, the thing that made it work for me um, is how like overconfident they are, which is less of a um, trope that mm-hmm. is used for like that kind of character archetype. Uh, It seems more like
0: they're making fun of people like my older brother, um, (laughs) who is not a dweeb, but like, as far as I know, he's neurotypical, (laughs) but he's like a huge nerd and likes to, is like kind of overconfident and is just like a dude. Like, it just seems to be making fun of like that demographic of like millennial nerds.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, the the point is is that well normally I don't like characters like this. These guys worked for me. They were really funny and just a lot of fun yes. and I'm so glad they're coming back. And also I'm so glad they have their own spin-off oh god, web series do. which we need to watch. Oh my god. We have okay. to watch that. I didn't know that. I don't know what you're talking it. about. What? Yeah, they have the, there's like a it's like, like for 10 real? episodes. I love that so much. Ghost okay. facers web series.
1: Oh my god. We will. Uh, we gotta wait until we're yeah, actually. We gotta watch up that. One like, week. We, it's on
2: Vimeo. Yeah, it starts at 2010. So we've got the supernatural
0: anime. We've got the spin spinoff, and then f- we're probably gonna have to end up watching the prequel. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, the, we're just here forever. <laughs> They've locked the doors. The Simpsons meme. Don't forget, you're here
1: forever. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, the scene where they meet up with the boy, with the ghost facer is, is very cute because Sam is like playing dumb he's like wow what is that <laughs> and like mm-hmm. clearly laughing oh, at yeah. him it's so cute
2: EMF I like the yeah, th- and they have, like, a way fancier, like, store-bought version of an EMF reader compared to uh, Dean's, like, cobbled-together yeah. one.
0: I, I realized just now that they're not actually called the Ghost Facers in this episode. No, they're I not. Don't think. That's, that's a name they take on later yeah, when they show not, up again. Yeah, they're not, but... But... Um, but...
2: Yeah. Uh, I brought that up, like, calling it their yeah. miniseries. Like, they I know that they're the Ghost, ghost Facers face just from, like,
0: just people, people talking yeah, about these ghosts, guys. Dudes. Yeah. Um. I love how shamelessly this show is making fun of Ghost Adventures specifically. Um, I watched a lot of Ghost Adventures for a little while. Uh, It's such a funny show to watch. Um, But I just like that is that reads more of like, that's the character they're making fun of with a little Mm. bit of nerdiness thrown in because Zach Baggins is too edgy to be a nerd.
2: Hold on, when was this episode filmed?
0: 2006, sometime.
2: Ghost Adventures, 2008.
0: Oh, they made fun of Hell House. Wait, when did the movie come out? Hold on, the movie came out first.
2: 2007. What the fuck?
0: Yeah, Hell Ju- House July House 2007.: to March 30th,
2: 2006. Well.
0: Okay, then, reality is stranger than fiction, and Zach Bagans is just like that. And they That's just. That's really funny. He really is just a person who acts like a caricature of himself. Okay, never mind. I continue to be wrong on air. <laughs> Bitch, what the fuck? Mr. Baggins, if you're hearing this, I'm so sorry you live like this. <laughs> okay.
2: But regardless, they're making fun of like that style of like amateur ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. There's there's like a billion examples of that. Well, it's great. I...
3: Go on.
0: Like. The reason why I thought it was specifically Ghost Adventures is first of all because Ghostfacers. Well, Ghost Facers. Well, that's because they're making fun Ghostbusters, really. So Ghostbusters. I
1: mean, their last names are Zedmore and Spangler. Um, Those are the canonical last names of the Ghostbusters, two of them. Which okay. I also well, didn't know I, didn't I got that know. from the trivia page.
0: But, like, also the, like, the EMF, uh, the way they talk about the ghosts, and then also when Dean's like, have you ever actually seen a ghost? And one of yeah. them goes just once. Like, Zach Baggins, like, origin story is that he had an encounter and it changed his life, and that's why he's, like, a ghost adventurer now.
1: So, uh-huh. like, I really thought that it was... I mean, I think it's a pretty common backstory <laughs> Which, for that. That's fair. Um, one of the BuzzFeed yeah. Unsolved guys is also has a story like that. Like, that's that's... What gets people into doing this? Yeah, so. I. It just seemed like the way
0: that the actor was like delivering that. I because uh-huh. like I don't know if you guys have seen Ghost Adventures, but the way Zach Baggins delivers that monologue of his own experience and like why it may, why it changed him is like so so similar. I could probably find. It's a really clip. funny.
2: That's so really it's funny. just so
0: funny that that's not that that actually came out like way before Zach Baggins was even a thing.
2: Well, like a couple of
3: years yeah. before.
0: And especially because Zach Baggins movie that started all that was about like a haunted house. So yeah. it's I it's so insane. Oh, wait.
2: 2004 Ghost Adventures. Documentary. Oh, ah, there we
0: go. <laughs> OK, so I'm right. Vindication. I am vindicated. Jesus Christ.
2: You're vindicated, yeah. That was a wild five minutes. <laughs> is the is the Wikipedia article about Ghost Adventures wrong about when the documentary was made, or was there another movie called Hold Ghost on. Adventures? Ghost
0: Adventures. Season 25? Jesus Christ, dude.
2: Yeah. There's almost as many Ghost Adventures episodes as there are Supernatural episodes. Um.
0: Yeah, Google says it's a 2004 documentary. Have... There might have been another movie. They even movie. have an
2: episode called Route 666. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, and then when I put in Ghost Adventures movie, it brings up the same thing documentary, so the wiki might be wrong. Uh, Demon Uh, House came out in 2018, um, which.
2: 2007 is the thing. Okay, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, you're vindicated. I'm
1: literally just sitting here. (laughs) here.
2: (laughs) Okay, um, can I go off about the Tulpa now, or do we have anything else to talk about? I
1: have lots more notes. Okay. Um, All right. mostly my notes are about how cute the prank war is it's so good we should have had so much more of it it's like sam's little laugh every yeah. time he pulls one on him every, oh they're so good um there's a bit when they're in the basement and looking at the like shelf of jars where dean is like hey sam i dare you to drink this and sam's like why would i do that and he goes i double dare you they're so dumb uh-huh. but they're so
2: good <laughs> and then the the Tulpa smashes the they shelf on, like, really and the jars hover like, in the air for a second. It's really yeah. weird. It's a really weird shot. Yeah. Uh,
0: all the dudes in this episode are such skeeves. Um, yeah. When they dare the other girl to go into the house. Oh, and, yeah. Like, that's not either. how true their dare works. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, he's like, you either have to go in there or you have to make out with me. Well, no,
1: listen. Uh. Those are two have, different dares. If you choose dare and you forfeit on your dare, then you have a punishment. So it would be another dare.
2: Oh, I guess that's true.
1: Anyway, but yeah, she's totally right She to choose the homicidal ghost over making out with some random jerk.
2: She dies for she it. Did it's die, so sad. She did die, She deserved better.
1: Rest in peace, Jill. Uh, Dean says he hates rats, and Sam's like, "Would you rather it was a ghost?" And Dean's like, "Yes."
2: <laughs> I missed that.
1: Yeah, I love uh, there's that.
2: There's so many good lines yeah. in this episode. Excellent
1: dialogue here. Wow, they weren't lying.
0: This this show, this show really has lines.
1: Uh, on the less positive note about the banter, um, they say that Mordecai goes after chicks, which explains why he went after you. But why me? Says Dean. <laughs> Dean, yeah. you and your yeah. messed up little conceptualizations of gender are not funny. Yeah. But again, we have. Scene, like making
2: it's a fun cheap of Santa being girly. Sam's expense. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, we have another. Well, I guess this is really more about the Tulpa, so we'll get to it probably in more depth. But it's um, a bit where that's like, if believing in something makes it true, why am I not getting picked up by Santa? And Sam goes, because you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's really good. Um, I like when. I like how. The ghost has red eyes. It's such a very like it's really subtle and mm-hmm. it only shows up like once. But I I really like that.
2: Excuse me, it's not a ghost. It's a tulpa. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like shadow form. It has like blazing red eyes. Yeah,
3: it's really. By the way,
2: it's um the uh, Mordecai the tulpa is played by the rawhead actor. Who huh. was like the cool like history of stage fighting, uh, like Canadian like uh theater guy who i talked about
1: 112 so that was our episode That's yeah, him again
2: he's vac yeah he's very good at being like big scary monsters or i mean i guess the raw head is like kind of like smaller but you know he's good at good at being he's good at acting with physicality
1: uh there's another bit with the ghost facers i have a bunch of their references written down but Dean calls them out for having action figures in the original packaging. But also, they talk about how, they talk about how, since they've finally seen a real ghost, this is their ticket to the big time fame, money, sex with girls. Like, <laughs> interesting implications there. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. So, again, yeah. we have a little bit
3: of. Queer Alex coding also as a pointed punchline. that out.
2: <laughs> um, I love their, I love the inside of their, like, it's on RV because it's attached to a truck. I don't know what you call that. Um, Trailer art? Mm camper trailer little <laughs> things called
1: help you. we don't know
2: okay whatever that thing is i the interior of it's really good there's a lot of like fun stuff it's a it's a good set i love mm-hmm. all their stickers i love the buttons on yeah. um i can't remember their their names are indistinguishable to me but the the one without the beard I think
1: that's ed nope that's harry i do this ed, wrong yeah, every he's... time
2: okay harry's got all these like little like an buttons ed. and it's 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 cute um yeah i their' set their set's really fun. They put like a lot of effort into these characters, yeah. which I think is also what makes them like what makes me like them a lot. Mm-hmm. They're not just here for like cheap jokes they're they're like a fun through line for this whole episode, and they also fit thematically with like rumors being spread on the internet being what creates the talpa. Can I talk about yeah, the talpa now? no hold oh. on no oh, okay, okay
0: uh just really quick gonna steamroll through my last couple of notes and then my music corner. Cause I figured that will probably end with the tulpa. Um, okay. I love how Dean regularly throws his lighter away and then just magically has it back. He throws it into graves, <laughs> throws it into burning buildings, he buys, just throws it in places that are burning down. But
1: whatever. Do you? I would imagine he just buys them. In bulk. <laughs> I would
0: imagine that those kind of lighters are a bit more expensive than your regular like Bic kind. Why doesn't he just buy a Bic? Why lighter? doesn't he just get matches or matches? <laughs>
2: Yeah, what is it? Because he's trying to do that cool guy thing of like throwing the match over your shoulder, but he does it with the lighter, and now he's like, Oh, I guess I gotta buy another one of those. Now they're just my lighter.
0: <laughs> um and then Dean or Sam's comment, how many peop- how many of the things that we haunted existed just because people believed in them is like an interesting yes. thing mm-hmm. that I was never talk about that. gets addressed. Well,
1: we're gonna talk about it I when we get to why tulpa conversation. Uh, and then, uh-huh. like, oh well, yes, fading into my meta meta But within, conversation. The,
0: within the fiction. It doesn't. It doesn't actually right. get brought up again.
1: They're just like, huh? Um, cool thought experiment. Moving on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, hey, if you like that cool thought experiment, go read Once in Future by Kieran It's <laughs> Gonna be on once my Once in Future <laughs> train again.
0: The Once in Future plug. Um, they,
2: it's really good. I like yeah. it a lot.
0: Ed says, "See you round. And then they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. One of the
2: few recurring characters in Uh, the show.
0: So, and then the music in this episode, all the music is the same except for uh, the Blue Oyster Cult songs. Except for the Blue Oyster Cult songs, right? Um, Fire of Unknown Origin is replaced with Jaded Little Love Song by Taramara can't read my own handwriting uh and burning for you by blue easter cult is replaced by vicky and jackie by robert roth
2: it's so funny that the all the songs that have been replaced that have actual thematic importance of the episode are all blue easter cult songs
3: literally
0: yeah um oh you can find a full list of the music used in each episode and the differences between the dvds and the netflix uh soundtracks on the supernatural wiki that's where i go mm. um but, Shout out to yeah. Supernatural Wiki, continuing to, to be,
2: be a very Licky. useful resource. Yep. Yeah, I'm not quite as mad about though about Fire of Unknown Origin uh, and the other one whose name I forget uh, being used um, or not being used compared to Don't Fear the Reaper, which yes. is just such a loss considering everything about Faith and the montage that that song plays over, yeah. uh, and also the um, horrible still...
0: humiliation that it rendered on me. Yes, <laughs> on you. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, but considering Suing you considering c- considering the use of the symbol and fire of unknown origin, being the album that is pulled out later, it is disappointing to me that that little like bit of foreshadowing isn't in the Netflix version. Yeah. DVD supremacy continues, <laughs> even though the quality is way Fuck worse. Capitalism. <laughs>
0: That's what I have to say.
1: Okay, wait. Right, now more you can, can talk before we their can get it. Up. No, no. No. I have two I more can. tiny notes.
0: Okay, okay. Emma, why'd you tell him two to go more ahead tiny <laughs> then? Things.
1: <laughs> I didn't see them because they're tiny. Um, when Jill is discovered and ruled a suicide, somebody comments on how she was a straight A student with a full ride. Yeah. Uh, the implication is that, therefore, she would never have killed herself. Mm-hmm. This is kind of flawed logic. Uh huh. Other reasons that people kill themselves. Um, yeah, and a lot of I the time, it students. It, it will, was a like, weak line. A I wanted it's, to highlight yeah. that. There's, it's not great writing for that one bit.
0: I don't know. I. I from my experience i mean maybe not so much now but like i think there is still that perception that if you have a good life or if you um are doing well in school or if you have a good job and a family like you don't have any reason to be depressed um so i found that to be realistic but still sucky
3: so yeah that might
0: be yeah, exactly. it, it fits as a it's thing it's being for... used
1: as shorthand for she has so much to live for yeah, yeah. Uh, she would never have done this but the fact it, like, that it she was murdered by a ignores and that not, like depression yeah. is a disease, you and know?
0: that she didn't actually kill herself makes it, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Uh, so I wanted to call attention to that, and then I wanted to point out <laughs> what after Dean manages to get the beer bottle off of his hand, uh, we oh, yeah. know that he did this because he says that he has no skin left on his palm, and Sam's like, "I'm not touching that one." <laughs> <And so laughs> Dean shines the flashlight in his eyes.
2: They're such brats to each other this whole episode. It's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think
2: that is all. We can go on to the. Topic. All right. So, God, where do I even start? I mean, I guess with the okay. So, first and foremost, tulpas are not Tibetan. Not really. Uh, they're a New Age mysticism thing. They come from theosophy, which is the like. New Age religion, primarily uh, popularized by the um, spirit medium and mystic uh, Helena Blavatsky. They are, this, uh, everything about mm, theosophy is extremely tied up in, like, Orientalism and, like, uh, we talked about this uh, last episode or a few episodes ago with the Book of uh, Thoth, And how uh, oftentimes, like, New Age mysticism will call on things of the past um, in order to make itself seem, like, older and more, like, rooted in something instead of just made up bullshit. And I'm going to read directly from a uh, paper I have called uh, Tracking the Tulpa, Exploring the Tibetan Origins of a Contemporary Paranormal Idea by uh, Natasha L., um, mickles or mickles and joseph p laycock uh which is uh not available unless you have a JSTOR account which i do <laughs> um the earliest mention of tulpas appeared in magic and mystery in tibet by alexandra david neal who defined tulpa as phantoms she explained that tulpas were related to tulkus which she said were forms created by magic in Tibetan Buddhism, tulku is a translation of the Sanskrit Nirmanakaya, a technical religious term describing the third of the bodies kaya, of a Buddha, the emanation body. In traditional Mahayana doctrine, formally codified in 4th century CE, Yogacara treatises, treatises such as the Mahayana Sutra Lamkara and the Mahayana Mahayana Samgraha. Uh, Buddhas and sometimes uh, bodhisattvas uh, possess three bodies or forms, a cosmic truth body, an enjoyment body, and a nirmanakaya body that enlightened beings manifest in the physical world to help suffering beings. By David Neal's own admission, the difference between tulpa and tulku is murky. Tulpas are created by magicians, while tulkus are an aspect of Buddhas and bodhisattvas, uh, bodhisattvas and are more enduring. She claimed to have created a talpa using prescribed concentration of thought and other rites while in Tibet. David Neal gave her Talpa the form of a jolly western monk, so it would not be confused with Tibetan deities. A Tibetan herdsman reportedly could see the monk, proving it had an independent existence, but David Neal was forced to destroy her creation it became too willful. Uh, significantly, both David Neal and Evan Wentz, who is another per- person mentioned in this article, had backgrounds in theosophy and relied on the translation services of Dawa Samdup, who was educated at the Butia Boarding School in Darjeeling, a school created to train interpreters and geographers to advance British interest in Tibet. Samdup became an important interpreter for the British and an influential translator. Although not a monk, he apparently had an interest in religion and esotericism. David Neal described him as an occultist and even in a certain way a mystic. Whatever Samdup's metaphysical interests were, they almost certainly shaped how David Neal and Evan Wentz came to understand Tulpas. So yeah, basically this is like Theos- uh, theosophists playing telephone with this uh, like Buddhist idea that isn't really connected to the thing. Like it says, in Tibetan tradition, Buddhas and highly advanced practitioners can create emanations, which then act as extensions of their creator. By contrast, thought forms discussed by Theosophists, tulpas described by David Neal, uh, and, and tulpas described by David Neal are described by literally anyone. Um, often are created unintentionally. Oh no, sorry. I can't read. (laughs) Tulpas described by David Neal are often created unintentionally and can turn on their creators. While there is anecdotal evidence that a phantom fitting this description could possibly feature in some vernacular forms of Tibetan Buddhism, it seems more likely that the tulpa of contemporary paranormal discourse originated with 19th century Western esotericists attributed to Tibetan Buddhism, Buddhism by early 20th century adventurers and rediscovered by modern paranormal lore as a quote Tibetan unquote concept. So yeah, that's in people's much smarter than me's words, the whole like annoying situation with the Tulpa in this episode and the way sound just thoughtless thoughtlessly said it's this like ancient Tibetan concept tells that fake story about like the 20 monks that concentrated to create one. Um, The symbol is, as far as I am aware, completely made up by the show. Um, It's really hard to do research into it and how they, like, came up with it or where they may have gotten it from. Because the internet is just full of this symbol because it was super popularized by Supernatural to the point of becoming the symbol for tulpas in the modern era that people Which is incredibly
1: ironic considering its topic.
2: Yes, exactly. Uh, Which is, like, really interesting from a metatextual way of, like, this story about a fake thing that, like, made a bunch of people create something. Also, this Supernatural episode is a story about a fake thing that made a bunch of people, like, it popularized the idea a lot. Um, It made a bunch of people, like, become interested in tulpas, and it's... It's deeply annoying to me. I hate this shit. And all the whole... Everything to do with, like, a New Age, like, Western mysticism, like, rooting itself in these concepts that it basically, like, steals or misunderstands or uses to its own, like, to its own ends. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, on the other hand, the, like... I am, we've talked about this before with Scarecrow. I am fascinated by the idea, and also once in future, I'm fascinated with the idea of like, myths are created, are reified by people who believe in them hard enough to a point where it actually affects reality. I think that's a good metaphor for the way we create our own realities every day with like... The way we all collectively agree that laws are a thing that exists, or collectively agree that, like, so, on social rituals, like, coughing into your, like, sleeve or whatever. Like, all those things, like, humans are great mm, like at Discworld creating quote. their own realities. Yes. Right, um, the, I
3: don't like have to... it in
1: front of me. I'll pull it up. Let me a second. Okay. This is a quote from Hogfather by Terry Pratchett. All right, said Susan, I'm not stupid. You're saying humans need fantasies to make life bearable. Um, i'm not sure which character is saying this death says really as if it was some kind of pink pill no humans need fantasy to be human to be the place where the falling angel meets the rising ape and susan says tooth fairies hogfathers, little yes as practice you have to start learning start out learning to believe the little lies so we can believe the big ones yes justice mercy duty that sort of thing they're not the same at all you think so then take the universe and grind it down to the finest powder and sieve it through the finest sieve and then show me one atom of justice one molecule of mercy and yet death waved a hand and yet you act as if there is some ideal order in the world as if there is some some rightness in the universe by which it might may be judged yes but people have got to believe that or what's the point my point exactly uh that was such a good, good. Example, Link.
2: shout outs to the great which is Sir extremely terry pratchett, good of course incredible writer we've talked about terry pratchett before when i mentioned small gods just he's so good yeah i love that quote so, so much the
1: idea that like human belief shapes reality in some way is mm-hmm. very good especially when you bring in the metaphysical where it becomes literally yeah. true
2: which is what fantasy's so good at and we've talked about this multiple times before i love this concept i just hate what it's created mm-hmm. and hate that like i wish i wish i guess supernatural had coherent metaphysics I wish this was a situation where it just this is just a true thing about the world where people like enough people believing in this like rumor creates the thing like they could have just done that and not involved the like theosophic mysticism angle and the Orientalism and this made up simple, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I get that it needs to not have this be a consistent metaphysical thing. Otherwise, it would ha- it would run into more trouble later so on, presumably. Uh, that would mean that Santa would exist, which I think would be fun. I disagree that it would be bad.
1: <laughs> well, we have a very supernatural Christmas coming up in a couple seasons. Oh good, you know, excellent. We'll get to talk about Santa there, I um, think
2: but yeah, it just it annoys me, but also I like the idea, and so I am in two minds about this episode if i If I don't put my critical hat on, I like it a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that this is coming from a place of like appropriation and miscommunication. Yeah. And spreading a misinformation is not great, but within, like, beyond that, or, or setting that aside for a minute, the idea that sometimes, like Sam asks, um, how many existed just because people believed in them, is such a good concept of, like, telling stories makes things real. Uh, which is very interesting in a tv show right Mm -hmm. these characters do not really exist but we're watching stories about them so in that way they're real the emotions evoked by them are real um they're they're they don't like physically exist obviously but they have an effect on the physical world when they you know make your brain release chemicals in response to their (sighs) actions um, which is very cool to think about. Um, and then within the context of this show, it gets more interesting because Supernatural has <laughs> very interesting metanarrative, metatextual threads going on in later seasons that we will get to. Um, but the idea of, like, who decides what is real and how can you possibly decide that, um, is very interesting. And, um, so, like, the very start of this episode, uh, similar to when they were talking about Bloody Mary in one five, and they say, like, well, who how do you know that's the story and it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter who she is so this one has a they say who's they and you know dana craig pretends that he doesn't know where dana heard the story because they made it up themselves but because these two people told the story to their friends yeah it got it ended up online and then millions of people saw it and it became real which is very interesting and i like the way that it makes use of modernity right like the the, Mm. the contrast sam draws between these uh, 20 Monks versus the Internet.
2: Another it's me really talking good. about other stories. If you like this concept and also like fun psychic stuff, watch Mob Psycho 100. It's great and it deals with like rumors becoming reality and like people's like fears and worries manifesting like psychically to create monsters or to like co- like ghosts or problems for themselves in other ways in a really interesting way. Also it's beautiful and very sweet. Uh anything else to talk about in this episode? I have some actor facts, but just that's like it. a
3: little
1: shout out to the way that like not only did Mordecai become real because of the site, it also changed him when they changed the story. Yeah. And so they- they specifically took advantage, or tried to take advantage of that feature.
2: It was very this, cool.
1: This, this facet of reality. They're so like, yeah, we can just make things different. So it was a really good plan. Mm-hmm. It's a shame it didn't mm-hmm.
2: work. Well, I mean, and that's how you change. That's how you change any like story or anything that people believe in. Is you try to spread an alternate like take on it, and if it catches and enough people listen to it, they will then make that be true. again i like the idea i just don't like the execution
1: i mean last episode not last episode um 115 we were talking about um who gets to decide like history is written by the victors right Mm -hmm. so um where sam and dean are always right and decide what's right and what's good and um here we have again this question of who decides Right, who decides what's a person and what's a thing? Who decides what literally, physically exists in the world? Yeah. Um questions of authority, questions of reality and, burn and story.
0: <laughs> burn the house down. Or however that song goes.
3: Oh.
1: While they're burning the house down. Uh, Dean's like, well, Mordecai can't haunt a house if there's no house to haunt. And Sam says, well, what if the legend changes again and Mordecai's yeah. allowed to leave the house? And Dean says, well, then we'll just have to come back. Like, the acknowledgement that because this is a fluid situation, they might not have the perfect mm-hmm. solution I like to the it uncertainty
2: yet. of that, yeah.
1: Okay, you said you had an actor fact?
2: Yes. Um, just a few things. Um, so, cousin Dana uh, is actually like a stunt actress. Uh, she's been in like a whole bunch of things. Um, like and is still doing it. Um she is in uh yeah, she was in like The Incredible Hulk. She was in the 2014 Godzilla uh remake. Um <laughs> she is in Altered Car Al- Altered Carbon. She was in Sonic the Hedgehog. Fuck
3: yeah.
2: Um Batwoman, uh the Batwoman TV series, uh in Riverdale also uh just all sorts of stuff um a stunt driver in deadpool 2 yeah so that's that's kind of cool that like she was i i guess she didn't say anything but she was like this character like on screen as like actually acting as a character instead of just doing stunts for a different actor but yeah um i i i think it's cool this this uh this woman's been in a whole lot of stuff. She's also apparently in a bunch more episodes of Supernatural as a as a stunt double as well. Um, and also uh, the um, kid who spread the rumor, uh, Craig, it's a whole bunch of stuff. He was Clint Eastwood's son in Unforgiven. He played young MacGyver. Uh, he was a, in a lot of cartoons in the 90s, as various voices. Uh, and then, yeah, I talked about Mordecai already. That's it. What
0: fun. Um. Uh... Is there anything else that we wanna talk about today?
1: I think we've covered my notes.
0: Okay. Well I'll do the outro then. Um so next week we are doing a slightly shorter episode like we did last episode. We're doing only two episodes. Uh season one, episode eighteen, Something Wicked. Um it's gotta be a lot to oh my talk God. about. I'm sad it's already. got a lot of, of Winchester's <laughs> trauma. Um and then Season one episode nineteen Provenance, which is a monster of the week to deal with ghosts and haunted items. It's very huge win for Sam Girls. Uh, and episode. then after that <laughs> Oh yes. Uh and then after that, the uh, the week after that, oh my god, it's the last three episodes of the Woo. season.
3: Yeah. We're almost there, guys. We're almost done season Woo-hoo. one
0: uh until then we are driving off into the sunset with uh (laughs) not blue oyster cult because we lost the rights to it when we got put (laughs) on netflix um rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice
2: particularly itunes even if you don't listen to us on itunes please go rate and review us there
0: um yeah bye
2: bye thanks for listening (laughs) uh, outro music (laughs) (laughs) that's not what our outro music sounds like
0: The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find the link in the episode description.